Oh, incidentally, Mark, before I forget, and completely unrelated, I've been meaning to tell you, Stark considers you his favorite podcaster from our show. Really? Yeah. Wow. I can't remember. That's that's high praise, Stark. Like, like, I can't remember the exact reasoning, but it had something. (laughs) Well, it's not, it's not going to do, I don't need any more details. I'll just take the compliment. (laughs) It's cool. Uh, All right. Impressive. Thank you, Stark. Episode 220, where you're a weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mcgcast.com and on home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on October 8th, 2015. I'm your host of the show, William, and Calvin, are you there yet? No? Alright, so Calvin's going through a bit of a wormhole issue right now. I don't know if he's on mute or if he's still trying to, like, reconnect or maybe even just get it on Skype with his laptop or something. But... I know for sure Clay isn't here because he has a concert, and I actually saw a video of the one he did last week, and boy's got some skills. So, who else do we have on here if, Cap- if the captain's stuck in the wormhole and the commander pan is off playing the ukulele? Well, we've got Mark joining us today. Mark, thanks for holding down the ship last week. No problem, buddy. Thanks for uh, starting this little late, guys. So I had to take my mama out to dinner, so it's not something I can really put off, but hey, the food was really good. Hey, man, everyone loves their mother. You gotta treat that woman right. Yep. She didn't murder me growing up, so good stuff. Makes me sound like the biggest hypocrite right now. All right, and today we have special guest joining us, Dan. Dan, how are you doing tonight? Guys, it's me. I'm here. I'm excited to be here. Let's talk magic. All right, so Dan is one of our faithful listeners, and Dan, for people who might have heard you somewhere else, where might have they have heard you from? You may have heard me on Mark's Deck Builder Spotlight. Um, we did a, a Feldegriff Deck spot, uh, Deck Builder Spotlight. Um, and, uh, I had a great time doing that, and, uh, Mark threw me an invite to be on the show for a topic, and I'm so excited to be here to talk about all sorts of cool stuff that we'll be telling you shortly. Yep, it's always fantastic to have the listeners on. And Calvin is still absent, so we're just gonna go ahead and keep going until he inevitably... I am not absent. I'm right here, you asshole. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> you interrupted me too, like Calvin. I've already finished the main intro. Yeah, I figured you would, because I had to do something. Curses. <laughs> So, Calvin, how are you doing tonight? I'm all right. And besides, I don't understand why you would think that I would interrupt you during the main intro. I haven't done that in at least, like, nine episodes. Yeah, well, we haven't banned any whales either, yet the expectation is still there. That's your fault. You're the one who decided to jump off of that bandwagon. <laughs> like, I was trying to tell you, like, yeah, you know, we should just go to listeners' bandwagon. He's like, eh, nah, we've got till October. I'm pretty sure listeners... No, nope, no. Nope. Now, look, because we didn't promote banning the whales, we've only got, like, what, a week left? And the whales still haven't reached the ban list? For shame, I, William. I don't think a last-minute Kickstarter hurrah is going to push him over the edge, Calvin. Now, that reminds me. He needs to no, fi- I'm not saying a last-minute Kickstarter is going to do it, but... Indiegogo, fun, ban the whales. 
We're going to build a wall against that ocean. Damn off, California gets that west coast. <laughs> All right. So, enough of the Donald Trump impressions. Uh, let's go ahead and do favorite that command. Was the Donald Trump impression? Oh, you yeah, just, that's yeah. the best he's got. Yeah, you just point that. Instead of pointing the wall west, you point it south, and you basically have Donald Trump. I thought we pointed it north and banned off Canada. No, no, no. You're thinking of, uh, what's-his-face? Uh, damn it, it's been a while since I've watched South Park. Mr. So, Garrison. Yeah, Mr. Garrison. There we go. So, favorite commander of the week. And, Dan, since you're the guest, go ahead and start us off. Who's your favorite commander of the week and why? My favorite uh, commander of the week is Sadisi Brood Tyrant. I have a really fun Sadisi deck, which, uh, if you guys know Sadisi, she dumps a lot of stuff into your graveyard. And it's got a million different ways to win and burn out. Uh, you can mill people out, kill them with zombies, kill them with Lurgoyps. Mill them with Phoenix, um, mill yourself out and, and lose the game that way just for fun. It's just like, uh, a train wreck, um, that's just so much fun to play. It's like a new gold burn machine. And, uh, I've been having a blast playing with it. No, I am very, very intimate with CDC at this point. Like, the deck is just nuts when it starts going off. So, Mark, who's your favorite commander this week and why? Hmm. Uh, well, I think, I, I don't know if I can count this, maybe. As, as my favorite commander, because I haven't actually finished building it yet. Um, but I still am trying to work on that Magetta the Lion. Magetta? Magetta? Whatever. The Lion. Um, the Wrath Lion. For my white, mono-white reanimator deck. Ooh, I see where you're going with That's that. That's an interesting choice. I yeah, I mean, I was looking for something else. I mean, what else am I going to do with mono-white commanders, right? I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, um... I, there used to be like really nasty, uh, mono white, uh, eight, eight and a half tails combo deck going around. And, uh, that, that was alright. Like really nasty about control combo. I'm like, alright, but I'm not a control, I'm not a combo guy. I'm like, I really want to do this reanimator, this mono white reanimator thing. Ever since I forgot where I even got the idea now. Somebody, somebody probably brought it up. Either it was a listener or it happened on the show. It so that's was like me, burning. Mark. Oh, God damn it. Alright, <laughs> sorry, Will. <laughs> we somebody, somebody brought it on the show. We, we had Mike on for our reanimator episode and I was like, why is there a mono white reanimator a thing? There we go. Alright, see, I was searching for someone to give credit to because I know I didn't come up with this fucking idea. So, cause it's, it's too cool of an idea. Like I would just been like, eh, I don't know, like artifact stomp, you know? So, Mono White Reanimator seems really cool, but again, I was searching for a, a commander for it, so I'm like, eh, whatever, this dude wrath stuff. And I've never played Magetta the Lion, so he seems sweet. I'm kinda on like, I'm kinda on a kick of I just wanna use every card in my collection, like at least once. I don't know. That's a weird magic bucket list, but like all these cards have just been sitting around forever and ever and ever. It's like, like last time we did, um, what was that, Dark Steel Fortress or, or whatever the one that's a fortification? Dark Steel Garrison, which there has been go. awesome, by the way. Sweet. See? <laughs> yeah. See, like that motherfucker has been sitting in my stupid trade binder forever. And I don't even know why I call it a trade binder anymore because I haven't traded anything out of that fucking binder in probably years. So <laughs> it's a holding space. There we go. See, that's what the holiday box is for. All right. So, uh, a little bit of a teaser for the listeners. We will be experimenting with Mono White Reanimator next week. So you can go ahead and look forward to that. In fact, we will have a special guest for that, which should put his skills to the test, at, should we say. Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week? Calvin's down. Hi, everybody. It's Captain Redstone. <laughs> I like playing stuff on the internet. And uh, my favorite commander for the week is uh, Heartless Hidetsugu. That is incredibly riveting, Calvin. Let's hear more next time on CommanderCast. Next time on PandaCast. Uh, let's see here. Uh, favorite commander for the week for me? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, let's just go with, like, Ruin of the Hidden Realm, since that's the deck that I currently have in my hand. I see. So, 
You have a large albino animal in your hand right now, you say. Yes. Holding a gigantic bubble wand. I see. So you are holding a gigantic bubble wand in your hand right now. No, I'm holding a large animal in my hand who's holding a gigantic bubble wand. All right, so I don't think I've heard you say that you were building a rune deck before, so what's going on there? Why rune? Yes. Well, let's see here. Rune is the commander from that precon that we had before, yep. and I got a chance to play around with it a little bit. I've changed a few of the cards. Uh, basically, I turned it into a momentary blink kind of deck. There's a lot of stuff in it that I've enjoyed. A couple of cards came out. I'm still debating on whether or not I want to get rid of Derevi, because while granted it works great as a commander, doesn't I don't really see it really working well in the actual deck in and of itself. And I don't want to have Derevi as a commander. Not that I don't like her. It's just, you know. That's okay. Kind of, we can't all get along with the bird winner. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, like the flash in, tap, untap thing, fine. That second, of, but it's the ability to just put it in for four at any given time just seems kind of like, Awesome. It's awesome, but in the same token, I'm tired of doing it. Mm. You ever, you, like, have you ever had a, had a card that's just like, yes, this is awesome, but in the same token, I've done this particular effect enough times now where it's like the nostalgia for it, the effort of doing it just is kind of worn off. I and now I kind of want to build the deck to actually. Hmm? Actually, no, that was exactly what happened with Tristani. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's just, yeah, it's like that. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, I've used this card. Yes, I've played with it. Yes, I know how awesome it is. I'm just tired of doing it because if I'm doing my green, white, blue deck, I kind of want to be doing something other than just casting ready before. And I've kind of realized having a restriction on my commander can actually be kind of, you know, useful because then I actually play with my deck as opposed to continuously casting my damn commander. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. All right. Fair, fair. All right, then. So, my commander of the week, Noyandar Royal Shaper. I was pretty lucky in that, you know, I work at a card shop. So when I found someone who opened a Noyandar in their seal pool, and I realized that he was pre-ordered for like a dollar, I could tell them, hey, when you're done, go ahead and trade that into me. I'll just give you like equal store credit out of my pay. And I got a Noyandar out of it. And that same weekend, I actually managed to get a foil Noyandar for, like, five bucks, which is also sweet. Like, this is going to be, like, a, a junk folk foil thing that people go, like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Oh, the shop owner was buying it for, like, five bucks? Okay, sure, yeah, I'll take that. Played the, the deck for the first time the Tuesday after previous weekend. The deck was pretty awesome. Tweaked it a little bit, played it earlier this week, and the deck, it, it got pushed to the realms of certain death, like, six times within the sa- a single game. And it was actually able to hold on. And I'm going to, and I'm, I'm not quite sure how, how I want to tell this, these stories, because I'm actually go- going to kind of be spreading them out throughout all three of tonight's segments. It's weird. When I was making tonight's show notes, I was like, wait, community actually fits very well into Annoying Dar story. Strategy actually fits very well into Annoying Dar strategy. And technology, oh, you better believe it, there's Annoying Dar stories there too so what am i going to say about noyandar right now to keep myself from repeating things all night long well one now that i kind of look at noyandar and after think about the way i've been playing the deck i kind of like to think like you know how rose is like gotta lift like do you even lift brah i look at noyand and i start thinking huh it kind of just looks like he's shouting are you not entertained really loudly so i call the deck fish on the rock
Really? No, hold on. Boy, well, back the fuck up, man. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. So, I was with you on the, the Gladiator reference, okay? And I'm like, I'm expecting, like, some kind of, I, I don't know, like, you can even go, like, no, no, like no, maybe no. even, like, a Joaquin Phoenix reference or something in there, right? But nope. The, Fish on a rock. A 90-degree turn right there. Fish no, on a rock, no, man. See, I, wasn't, that is, see, I wasn't done yet. <laughs> see, when I first introduced the deck, I just finished watching a bunch of Loading Ready Run videos, like the uh, Commander episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm introducing it as, I call this deck Fish on the Rocks. And for the most part, yeah, it gets people chuckling. Because, yeah, they put fish on ice when they catch it, and it's a fish, he's standing on a rock, and he's a fish who, like, animates land, so he's throwing rocks at you. But now, after looking at the art and thinking, huh, I kind of like that. Instead, I'm calling it Fish on the Rock Johnson. I just, I can't. Nope. I'm out. I'm out. So you saw you saw the problem with that name, Fish on the Rocks, was that it just didn't have a Johnson in it. That was that was the issue. That was the issue with that name, Will. You're like, man, what if I just throw like a subtle porn reference in on top of the fish on the rocks? Total awesome. We're good. We're good. Wrap that fucker up. Uh, wait, wait, wait. You act like you never heard the Wayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, I know, but I just I wasn't expecting the, the I just I don't know, I wasn't expecting any of this, man. You could have gone uh, South Park Kanye fish sticks and gotten you know the, the Johnson reference in there and the fish thing. Also true. Plus, like, I don't know, putting fish on, like, on the rock? I don't know, man. Like, you're just, like, like Dwayne Johnson walking around with, like, some tilapia on his chest or something? That's not an image I want. I just, now I just feel dirty. Damn, <laughs> <laughs> unseen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so did everyone else I played with. Did it actually work out for you well, though? I mean... Actually, yeah, just calling it Fish on the Rocks got a lot of great responses. All right. Well, it's like a, a fun and unique deck to play. It's there's nothing that does what he does. Oh yeah, don't worry. I'll be getting into plenty of that when we get into like community and strategy, and then some technology. But don't worry, you you guys will be hearing all about Noyan all tonight. In fact, at some point you may find him annoying. Son of a bitch! I knew that was happening, and that was another one. I could see the off ramp for that fucking joke. I could see it, and I'm like, no, no, he'll turn back. He'll turn back, and no, no, he didn't. Nope. <laughs> Just Dan, I'm sorry, man. It's, it's past the, the crash near the exit where I am right now. Don't rubberneck. Keep going. Past mm-hmm. the exit. Nope. Be ready for the next one. This is oh. rough, man. You really want to do this to Dan on his very first time on Commander Cast, you man? You can't blame me for that last one, because I actually got that from a friend. So you can blame him. Only I'm... I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, but you're the only technology. one here, so... <laughs> I have to blame him by proxy through you. Just wait until you tell me what... Uh, just wait until I tell you what the new Zendikar Dual Lance are being called in my store. And I think it's fantastic. Actually, I can just tell you now. We're calling them Zendikar Duels, or Zools for short. There are no other names for them, only Zool. <sighs> we have yet Zendikar Duels, but I don't know if I could call them Zools. I think the entire internet has no idea what to call these things. No, 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 there are no other names, only Zools. Okay, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't even know what to call them. I just, we don't really have a name for them. Yep, so that's why we just keep hammering it in that they're Zools until everyone starts using them, because that's how common lexicons work. I feel like the entire internet is just sitting, uh, watching Mark Rosewater's Tumblr, and waiting for him to, like, sneak out the developmental nickname for him, so they can just be like, thank God, it's done. Actually, that's, ex- actually that's exactly what would happen to him. You're not wrong. All right. So let's go ahead and do our weekly schedule rundown. So if you like Finally. this, <laughs> so if you, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> 
<laughs> I got thinking about the fish puns again. Okay. So, okay. if you like... Calvin! Interrupting, interrupting me again. So, if you like what we do here on CommanderCast, go ahead and check us out on our main website every Monday where you can download CommanderCast Prime. If you're okay with getting them on through your iTunes on MTGCast, you know, no one's going to blame you. You're just going to be a week behind, which, if that's your bag, no problem. If you just really want to hear that white reanimator episode and you're listening to this on MTGCast, well, guess what? You can go ahead and find out how that turned out by going directly to our website right now. If you're on our website right now, and this is, oh, what the hell is Monday, October 12th? Well, then you've got to wait one more week. Sorry, bro. Tuesday. Uh, real quick, yeah. before we go too much further, uh, just to let the listeners know that they may have actually gotten, like, two episodes in the previous week for Commander Cast, or this week, last week. I don't know. Time travel. I'm kind of confused my damn self. No, last week there were that two. That doesn't mean... Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean that you, the listeners on MTG Cast, have missed two weeks. There was just actually a day where we posted two episodes, and you just happened to get them on two separate days. You would have could have had both of those episodes, like I don't know, like three weeks ago by this by the time you heard this, hear this. But no, you chose to go to MTG Cast. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Just letting you know that sometimes, not often, but sometimes we on Commander Cast do a little extra stuff like that. So. Yep, and some of the extra stuff includes our Tuesday lineup, which is Journey to Somewhere and Mark's podcast, Deck Builder Spotlight, which, hey, Dan was on that. I was. It was great. It's a good episode. Go listen to it. I know I certainly enjoyed it. I mean, Truth. it's hard for me to get guests, up, guests onto my podcast without enacting some sort of roadway accident, but we'll see where we go. So, Wednesday, you have our strategy segment. And, hey, Grandpa Growth is doing a new article cycle, Important Cards in Different Colors. And it's another fantastic one. Looking at the strengths and the weaknesses of different colors and their access to different stuff. Just, I really like his full-blown analysis. Like, at, if, if this keeps going, I might have to see if I can, I don't know, I might have to put in a good good word for some, like, actual big-time editors for big-time websites. We'll see. Thursday, Rivals Duel with Noel Clausen and Eric Bonvey, the Canadian comedian. And they alternate with The Stack, Uncle Landrops and Grandpa Growth, one more time. Uh, both fantastic shows. Go ahead and listen to them. Uh, actually, actually, now that I think about it, The Stack is not as much to my taste, just because it, it is all, more all over the place. I, I don't know. We, we still need to talk about that puzzle at some point. Friday, technology segments, plus also The Squirecast, with their host, Matt the Goblin Guide. A uh, great one for newer players, people who might not know as much about the history of the game, stuff like that. Just fantastic stuff. Those guys are great. I'm really glad you brought them uh, onto the Commander Cast Network, if you will. They've been, like, they make my Fridays go super fast, and they're really fun to listen to. And their accents are freaking amazing. It really is. It's like they're really in Australia or something. Like, they, I don't know who does their production values, but he, whatever, whoever that man is, he deserves a gold star. Yeah, I wonder who that is, because it's no longer me. Aww. What? Aww. Wait, what? Calvin, are you serious? Huh? Like, were you being serious? Like, what happened? Oh, Matt took it back. Oh, Matt, Matt wanted to start doing the editing again? Yeah, no, currently Matt is not working, and he just wanted something to do to kind of kill some of the free time he had during the week. Ah, okay. You know, he, so I was like, hey, you know, he asked me, he politely asked. I told him, you don't have to politely ask me to take your show back. I wouldn't have, like, kept it from you, your show, if you want to edit it, then right ahead. Okay, well... Right. Ah, there may come a point he, in time in the future where I may edit it again. Yep, I mean, he knows so. he has the option, so I'm glad that that's happened. Alright then. <clears throat> he took it back because I suck. 
Alright, so if you want to go ahead and join in the discussion for anything we talk about today, or you want to put up your own discussion, go ahead and come up with some questions that you want to ask us and start a forum on our subreddit. There's a link to that in the show notes. I go ahead and check in there. Wafflecone does a fantastic job modding that place, working on the Facebook, just fantastic stuff. It's also where you can join into our community banner poll, which, as I'm looking at right now, Ib and Rexiel still neck and neck for first place. Card and Kalia tied up, and then, like, Prosh, Wrath, and Ixidor just kind of trailing behind there. Yeah, Ixidor! Dan, you were yeah, one of us that voted for Ixidor, weren't you? I was. I really was. I love Ixidor. <laughs> but, Dan, it's like voting for the third party. You're throwing away your votes. Will, but Ixidor! No vote is wasted. No vote is wasted, sir. See, why can't, you know, poll, what is this, poll maker? Why can't they have, like, the, the Australian voting system thing where it's like, well, I would prefer this candidate, but if he doesn't win, then send my vote to this guy or something like that. That's how they vote in Australia? Yeah, actually, I, I believe that's how it is. I saw an informative article that informed me of such. I might have to actually have to ask hmm. Matt. But- I thought it was, like, straight-up Mad Max style. Like, they just put two candidates in the Thunderdome, Joe one walks out. Is that where the Thunderdome reference came from? That's what I was under the impression. Enter one politician leaves. Exactly. Right. Hard door down there. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, like you would really want the strongest politician to be the person who like makes the rules anyway. I mean, Australia's tough, and last thing you want is like to have like a weak DNA gene pooled candidate just sit in there, False randomly count. like being False. just randomly being killed off. Being strong isn't what helps you survive in Australia. Being able to survive is what makes you strong. Ergo, you don't necessarily have to be strong. You just have to be able to survive. I don't believe that. It's a green thing. No, or, I still don't believe that. I still believe that strength is what allows you to survive in the first damn place. And something I say... Tried kill, something tried to kill you. And it I didn't. say you are strong you, by definition of having survived thus far. You are stronger than anything else that did not survive. Ergo, that is your strength. Yeah, so we want the, cre- the candidate who has survived the longest and is the strongest by definition... Yours, seeing as how they've survived longer and are stronger than their previous candidate, would ah, be the one who actually wins. But that's the rub. We're at the same endpoint, the same conclusion, but from two different directions. And that is why the color pie fascinates me. All right, then. So I actually think that's about it for our weekly schedule. Uh, let's go ahead and go into our community segment. Next up in our community segment, this is going to be a topic that we kicked around a, about a month ago. We're going to talk about what happens when you just kind of go into a commander slump. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Ooh, and Dan, thanks for that blog link. I'm going to say that and read it later. Yeah, it's, just, it's one that I read regularly, and I realize I work at a game store. You probably find that really fast. I actually kind of do. Like, I list... <clears throat> like, the episode where uh, of Card Advantage clues head on the o- one of the owners for Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina, which I hear is a fantastic store, and I want to check it out. They that you know, has t- been copyrighted. Actually, no. Clues made that free license open domain. Okay. As, as long as people are supporting their local game stores, he is a okay with other people using it, like Chris, like a Christmas Carol. Oh. Like I had, like there is audio proof of him saying this. So you can, so Clues, you can't come after me now. You you said it on air. So, I never thought that this would happen to me. But, wouldn't you know it, it actually is something that just kind of happens to everyone at some point. And I'm talking about the slump. Whether it's just like a magic overall slump, or maybe a slump for a specific format, or just, you know, 
anything like that. Like, if you were listening to Chewie about this time a year ago, you know, he was just in a... His slump was full on long depression, and that's really bad. And mine was... I kind of had that situation earlier this year where I wouldn't say depression so much as mental breakdown territory, but slumps do happen, and they don't have to be, you know, full-blown life crises or anything like that. They can just be, eh, I'm not really feeling it anymore. And this one is actually an idea brought up by Mark. So, Mark, why don't you go ahead and kind of expand on why you wanted to do this topic? Well, actually, it's, it was uh, suggested by Dan. So, I mean, not to pass the, the buck all over the place here, but... Uh, no, no by, uh, by all means, go ahead, Dan. Uh, I have somebody take the topic. So I'll run with it. Uh, so, it was... Uh, I brought it up to Mark uh, in an email exchange about episode ideas because I had gone through, uh, like, a deck-building slump recently where none of my cards uh, looked interesting to me and none of the generals that I had um, just were, were doing it for me anymore um, and for whatever reason you know magic wasn't fun for me anymore for whatever reason and you know it reminded me of a time where I went to an earlier slump and I stumbled upon Sheldon Mennery's like, Wuhan you did it to yourself deck and for whatever reason that flipped a switch on me and I all of a sudden was like hungry to build this deck hungry to play uh, in this style that I had never seen before um, it was, it's like a judo style deck where you're constantly like redirecting threats back at the person who cast it. And it's just, it's weird. It's quirky. And it looked like a ton of fun. And it took me from like wanting to just like shun off magic for a while to, you know, hardcore deck building again, getting excited for the game again, you know, wanting to have people over to play again. And it helped turn me around. And so I thought it'd be a cool, you know, discussion to talk about what are some of the causes for other people's slumps. Uh, what puts you there, and, like, different ways that you can get out of that. All right, so what it sounded like was happening with, with you, Dan, was that you just got tired of, you know, the same old routine, where it's like, okay, I've done all this stuff, and at this point it's kind of old hat. But then there's, there's something new and interesting shows up, and it's like, okay, that reignites your spark, right? Yeah, absolutely. But the, the, the kicker here is that Sheldon had, like, shared this deck back in, like, 2013. And I stumbled upon it this past summer or, uh, you know, at some point this year. And to me, you know, what what's old is new again. And I had just never seen it. So for me, here was this deck list that was sitting on the Internet for years. And like I was in a slump and I found it and it just got my creative juices flowing. And for me, it got me out of my deck building block. And I know there's just other people going through different kinds of slumps as well, other than, you know, just having trouble building a deck. Right. For me, you know. What I alluded to earlier, mine was actually just kind of a, a play magic slump. It was, I want to say around, it was between the time frame of last April to last June. And I'm always going to end up remembering those months because that was the point where I was just getting overworked to death. Like, I work at a, warehouse, at a stock warehouse where we were getting ready to move to a secondary warehouse with, like, the big fancy system and all, and all this product movement. So they just wanted to move as much stock out of their warehouse as possible. And to help make sure that every that everyone was available, they blacked out like three, four consecutive months from vacation time. And this was about the time when I was feeling worn down from like, oh, we had a spring rush. We had winter and all that, like Christmas and all that. That's all done. You know what? I kind of feel like I'm getting close to vacation time. Let's go ahead and just get our vacation request in, take a couple weeks off, recharge, come back feeling good. I go into work that same day, and wouldn't you know it? No, no, no more. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and black out April and May 
And yeah, just no vacation time. We need everyone here. Okay, well, let's go ahead and try and get some vacation off in June then. And then come May, you know, cause like, I, I, I've actually re- read an article about like, uh, Vietnam war vets who had this mentality when they were ca- captured. How it's like, okay, we'll be out of here by Easter. We'll be out of here by Easter. And then Easter would come and then they wouldn't be out there. And I kind of had that same mentality. It's like, okay, I just gotta make it to June and I can get my vacation time off. I can get my vacation time off. And then I get to May and I, they tell us that June is blacked out. And I'm like, wait, that wasn't part of the deal. That wasn't part of the deal. Compounding on that, once we actually get over to the new warehouse, this is a brand new system and it's like everything is just breaking down on the outbound side, which is where I was working at. There's like the inbound where it's like we're stocking everything and then there's the outbound where we're sending this shit out to the customers. And I was one of those people who were, okay, I've been around for like four years now. I'm expected to help train and to help kind of send and manage a lot of the new seasonals and all that. And I just couldn't deal with all this. Because on top of that, I'm working the customer service desk at a grocery store where people have attempted to rip us off like four times since I started working there the year before. And we had like two or three people try and steal stuff. One woman actually having to get tackled as she tries to run out with a bottle of wine. I, like I, I'm just in a position where I'm the proverbial puncher. I'm just getting chewed up through the entire system on both ends. And I have like no time for just free activities or Anything like like that, just to kind of de- decompress or anything like that. She got tackled for a bottle of wine. She was running, man. Like she was trying to book it. Like I'm kind of amazed that the person who did catch her actually caught her. Like how like how valuable was this bottle of wine, man? I honestly don't know, but like it better have been like I don't know, there's some Dom Perignon or something like, and she's just going for some little fucking like ten dollar table wine. Like that's not impressive. I mean, like, this is the same store where we ended up having a customer get caught for, like, scanning the same coupon over and over again at the self-checkout and then throwing pieces of the trash into the coupon deposit thing, all for a bag of peas? Like, Jesus I'll Christ. I'll buy you the peas, man. Like, it's all <laughs> like, good. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> point being that it was finally at this point where I actually got hired on a card academy in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, which is now a fantastic store, and I love it to death in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So please ch- check it out. And, you know, what became ideation was become, okay, let's go ahead and start working these nights. Like, I, it used to be I could, you know, run FNM and still draft with it, like, you know, like, you know, judge and play, okay. But then it became apparent that, like, okay, well, there's a lot of people who actually just, who are swarming the counters right now. Okay, I don't really have the time to play, so let's go ahead and run the tournament behind the counter and have all these customers and all that. And, you know, it just became, okay, where's the time for magic? It just wasn't there. And at this point, Everything was coming out for Origins, and there was just nothing exciting about it for me. So it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm not really missing that much, whatever. So this, for this whole period, I'm going through not really playing EDH before I realized, wait, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, stop, stop, stop it. I'm hosting a Commander podcast. I haven't actually played Commander in the past two months. There's something wrong with this picture here. So... Around the time when the Battle for Zendikar spoilers started coming out, I finally just said, okay, you know what? They'll be okay. As long as I'm actually there, I can tell them where the stuff is because we've got a couple of people who aren't really familiar with magic because I'm like just the magic guy there. So I can go and I can, and I've been playing and that's been awesome. Like the past couple of weeks when I actually got the test annoying Dar deck and before that when I was actually just playing like commander, it was the shit. Like that was about the time that I was trying out the Tristani and the Marath deck too. 
And it was so great. Coupled together with the fact that now that Battle for Zendikar stuff is finally getting shown off, it's finally getting revealed, it's like, man, this is actually stuff that I can get excited for. So, I don't know if it was just any one thing, like Origins is boring, I don't really want to play it, or I don't have time to play to play it, or maybe I just don't want to really put the effort into trying to make time to play because the set doesn't look exciting or anything like that. But now that the Battle for Zendikar stuff has actually come out, and I'm making an effort to get out and just enjoy playing Commander once a week, I can feel it again. And part of that also has to do with the fact that Noyan Dar is a thing. Like, I knew I was going to be experimenting with Ulamog as a new commander, and I think the deck needs one more set's worth of support before I can really take off with it as a deck. Like, it's got enough Eldrazi in there that it can actually be Travel Eldrazi and not just a really bad Karn deck. But the Noyan Dar deck has just been so exciting to brew, to draft, and to actually play. Like, that de- the de- like the deck gives me a heart attack every time I'm just on the edge and people are trying to wail on me. Like, it is such a fun de- deck to play, and I'll be talking about that when we get to just strategy and such. But thank you, Noyan Dar. You really pulled me off the cliff there, magic-wise. So, someone else now. Jeez, I don't know, man. Um, it's weird. Like, with my job, obviously it's pretty cyclical. So I go through, like, yearly slumps. Like, it, it's, I think I'm, like, just going into a yearly slump now. Like, I got a chance to play a lot over the summer. And then, you know, like, school year starts up, so I don't have much time for a whole lot of other extra hobbies. I'm doing other stuff. So right now I'm, like, right in the middle of a slump. I have not played a physical game of Commander since August, I think. Sometime mid-August, I want to say. Um, and I probably won't get a chance to play, not this weekend, maybe next weekend. I don't know. Me and Balduvian Bears are trying to hook something up because he lives in my area. Um, that might, and, but he's not free until sometime in November. So yeah, man. That's really yeah. Cool. Yeah. It goes like that in the fall for me all the time. And then somehow like, you know, like when the new commander set comes out, I usually find some time somewhere to go out. Just, you know, I want to review it. So I want to go out and, and play with some people. Um, so I usually just end up like roping people in. <laughs> I'll just go to like standard or something, like wait and be like, all right, you want to play? Here we go. Um, so maybe that's probably when I'll pop out of this slump. I don't know, man. Um, but it's all right. I mean, I think, you know, uh, Andy used to talk about having other hobbies. Like it's cool to have other hobbies. Like there's other stuff I'll do. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll get really into, I don't know. For some reason I've been on a real like Star Trek, the next generation kick lately. Like, Ooh. fucking out of nowhere, I just decided, I'm like, man, I really want to go watch nice. that series again. Did yeah. you did you know that there is a podcast called, what was it, I think it's Captain's Log, where they actually, they're actually, uh, once a week watching an episode from the start, from Star Trek, like, from beginning of the original series to all the way to the finish, and they're just doing one episode a week, and that's their podcast, it's their review and discussion of it. That's pretty sweet, man. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to get down on that. They also do the movies too, so. Yeah, and they're also the, the movies too. Like they finished the original series, and right now they're on Next Generation. Hmm. I'm gonna have to get down on that. I have to say, like, I couldn't make it through the first season again. Like, I got a couple, of, like, Encounter at Farpoint still fucking sucks balls, and then the rest of that season so hit or miss. Like, gosh, it's bad. Second no season, Riker is pretty rough to get through. Yeah, no beard Riker. Uh uh-uh. uh. And then like after after this many years, right? Like I I remember clearly, me and my old man would sit down, we watch Star Trek together all the time. And then like my my dad fucking hated Wesley Crusher, man. Like Wesley the Wonder Weenie was like the code name for just everything shitty in our lives. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe me and dad were a little rough on him back in the 90s. Maybe I'll roll this up again. 
see how things have changed, maybe I've mellowed with age. No, fuck that, man. Like, I love Will Wheaton <laughs> to death. Goddamn Wesley Crusher. Fucking piece of shit character. Goddamn. Every time that, oh, God, he's just awful, man. Every time that dude's on the screen, it's just like, oh, like, I have to wait till the middle of season four for you to go away. Oh, it's like really feel, man. It's, it's just, man, I mean, at least he lost the so shitty sweaters. Just, oh, sweaters. Okay. Oh, I forgot about the sweaters. <laughs> Dan, you have no idea the fucking sweaters, man. Oh, it's worse. Oh, like, but then afterwards, you sit down and you think about it too, and you're like, like, all right, look, there's there's a bit of like suspending disbelief you have to do for any hobby, right? Motherfucker, why are you gonna let this 17 year old kid fly the flagship of the Federation? Like, you have Data right next to you, and you're gonna let the fucking the Wonder Weenie fly the flagship? What the, what the fuck, man? Like, you haven't even gone through Starfleet. I know. And you hate kids. You Seriously, hate man. You hate children. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't. I, oh. But the nice part is, like, I think it was last week or the week before I finally got through. It was the Goodbye to Wesley episode, and I hate. I I wanted to. I really wanted to get through the episode. But it was so bad, I ended up just putting it on my phone and just, like, I was, like, cooking dinner, and I just left my phone in the other room so I could, like, kind of listen to it at the same time. And then I just said, fuck it, whatever. And now it's now it's gone, and the show's awesome. So, there you go. <laughs> Did you cheer up a little bit? Was there just, like, that one solemn tear? No, because, you know, I swear to God, I must have, like, I must have blanked out the last episode of that because I totally didn't remember it, like, you know, you know, I was in syndication forever when we were growing up, so, like, I've probably seen every episode of that goddamn show a million times. I swear, I, I, I must, it must have been, like, trauma. I just blanked out of my mind. It was the worst fucking episode. It was just, like, it was, like, Wesley and Picard chilling in a cave, and Picard had gotten, like, injured, so Wesley had to take over. And it was all just like, Wesley, I believe in you. You can do it. And he's like, no, no, Captain, I don't think I can do it. No, Wesley. No, Wesley, I'm bleeding out on the floor. And we got in the water. Like, you're going to have to do it. I believe in you, Wesley. And that was it for like an hour. I wanted to fucking slit my wrists. Oh, dear God. Whoa. So, long story short about the slump. Um, you <laughs> other things to get out of the slump, man. Like, there are other things that can, like, I, I'm not really proud of it, but, cause I make fun of my students for this all the time, but I binged the first two seasons of Rick and Morty, like, over a weekend. <laughs> Like, I don't know, yes. but the good thing about Rick and Morty is, like, a season takes, like, three and a half hours to get through. Like, it's the best thing ever. Ah, it's one of those shows. Okay. So you basically yeah. watch TV for uh, a Saturday. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's it. <laughs> that was it was the best, show. man. <laughs> Fucking Rick and Morty's the shit. So, I don't know. It's like, you know, you know like, so now it's not, like, a, a TV kick. Mark, that, that's actually a really good story and point that you brought up. Um, but I know there's, there's so many things that can, can, like, cause people to have slumps, like, real-life things like Will and your frustration with not being able to play. Um, so I guess one of the ways to, to prevent yourself from getting into a slump is to kind of recognize some things that might cause you to get into a slump. So uh, a couple things that come to mind for me are a stale meta or meta fatigue, uh, like when you're stuck playing against the same people over and over again, or you're playing against the same decks over and over and over again. So your gameplay... Uh, that you, you're interacting with is the same constantly. It's just, you're just going to get bored of it. Um, I don't know if that happens with you guys, but I know for me, it gets to a point where it's like, oh, not that deck again, or oh, here comes this guy. He only plays aggro decks. So it, oh. it's... Well, considering that there is an Aloru Super Friends player in my meta, and the average game length that tends to go on with that deck seems to be 2.5 to 3.5 hours. Nope. And if I had to play against that every week... Without rest, I think I could see that happening. 
So and that's that's well that's just like other people. So you've got you've got all of that to consider, and then your own stuff. Like, um, you see, my own stuff, I actually don't have to worry about because that's the benefit of having tw- literally twenty-seven different decks. See that that is awesome, but for me, I've got I think I've got like six or seven active decks, so it really limits my rotation. So if you're playing for a while, like I know for me, we have a um, we do Monday Night Magic, uh, where we have, I have a couple friends over, we watch Monday Night Raw. And if the wrestling's good, we're watching wrestling. And if the wrestling's terrible, we're playing Magic. Um, oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, NXT TakeOver last so, Wednesday. Watch it. So basically what Dan's saying is that every Monday he's just playing Magic with some <laughs> random, like, John Cena conversation going on in the background. is white noise. To be fair, we stopped for New Day. New Day is all sorts of goodness. Booty. Booty. Fish on the Rock Johnson. <laughs> This is the wrestling episode of Commander Cast that you guys are threatening. No, no, no. That was last Tuesday. (laughs) What happened is is that the um, off-color cast episode last Tuesday has slightly infected our website, and now wrestling has kind of like leaked into the main into Commander Cast Prime. I I continue. Oh, I'm getting off track. Yeah. Okay. okay, So slumps. So Dan, you bring up a fantastic point. Not just your own collection. uh, I mean, not just the decks that you're facing, but the decks that you are playing. Like, I know a lot of people try and spice it up by, like, saying, okay, let's go ahead and play deck roulette. Uh, today I'll be playing John's deck, or today I get to play Mark's deck. Or you know what? I want to, I want to try to do something a little on the red side. Let me go ahead and play one of Calvin's decks. And like, for Calvin me- Calvin will say no. <laughs> oh. Well, what about if I play with your black deck? Phrasing? Phrasing. Bob, <laughs> oh, beat you! <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't actually have that problem. In fact, sometimes if I'm feeling like having two or three decks on me, I can actually just lend out decks, and I've done that because it gives me some good feedback for having other people say, okay, so I played this deck, and I kind of had a feeling for this. Most of it was good, but you might want to consider tweaking this or that, and that works for me. Like, I've got all 20 of my decks. I'm still working on diversifying them a little bit more so they each feel just that much more unique. But if I get bored with a couple of commanders, I can go ahead, swap out, swap them out for some other ones, work on those ones, because maybe those ones need some more tender love and care, need some more retooling development. And then when I get back into the flavor of, okay, you know what? I just want to be a dick. Let's go ahead and play Dami tonight. Then I can go ahead and play her for, for like two or three games and then put her back in the, high, the stasis lock for two or three months. I am glad you mentioned your dick deck, um, because that's actually one of the points that I want to bring up. Um, Sometimes people over rely on their go to deck or their quote unquote dick deck. Uh your your Damia deck, like decks like your old Miss Stalker with the Maelstrom Wanderer, that one deck that you know is just gonna wreck the table. And so you go to it over and over and over again, and then you just kinda get bored with it. Uh my buddy Greg is going through um that issue with Rafiq right now. Greg, you got another shout out. Um and so he's he's kind of in a spot where one of his favorite decks doesn't doesn't it's not fun for him anymore. Um so that's helping put him in a slump. Um, I know he's also told me, we were actually talking about the podcast before I came on, and he said for him, a big issue is something that Will brought up was time between playing. Like, if, when, with Will's situation, he had a lot of life stuff come up that prevented him from playing. And in Greg's case, he's, you know, he doesn't have, as you know, it's not like his job has prevented him from going on vacation, it's working up the bone. He just hasn't had has a chance, he hasn't had a chance to just sit down and play Magic. So magic isn't a fun activity that keeps him fulfilled, and so he's never hitting this groove where it's fun to do this again and again. Um, I guess another another thing that can cause a slump would be your resources. Um, I know Calvin was mentioning it. Sometimes when you have like a limited budget or a limited collection, it prevents you from building what you want to build. Um, you'll find a deck list or a theme or cards that interest you, but you're just not able to execute on the idea 
because of things out of your control, and that can just frustrate you and leave you not wanting to play the game. Um, yeah, I, actually, I could pick up right there on that note. Uh, it's actually been statistically proven. I don't have the stats in front of me, but typically during financial strains for most people, the first thing that ends up getting cut is funds towards entertainment. Because, you know, when think of it, if you had a job and, you know, you get a few hours cut back and you're not getting the kind of cash you were expecting, suddenly you go from having enough money to play magic and go out to the movies and go dancing to be like, well, we still got to pay this bill. I've got to take care of this. I've got this other finance. And, you know, if you're a student, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, you have money, but the money you have has to go to putting into getting these books or you need to supply or you need to get this thing for school. And financially speaking, you don't have the money to be able to spend to buy the magic deck that you wanted or the new million dollar deck that you heard about William, heard William talking about on Commander Cat. And side note, every time I hear him mention that fish, the only words that come to my mind is million dollar. I don't hear the actual name. Wait, what? Your deck, the new deck you're building? Dwayne the, the Fish Johnson? Yeah, with Dwayne the Fish Johnson. <laughs> the, like the, the legend's name, I don't, it does, the name doesn't register as that actual name. Every time I hear that name, my brain registers it as million dollar. A million dollar baby. Right. But yeah, like, so you don't have, so if you don't have the finances for, you know, your entertainment is usually the first thing to go, which could easily put you in what would be considered a slump. Well, you know, if you don't have the finances to be able to build the deck you want, or you can't afford to get the newest commander, or even if you can get the commander, but you don't have the money to build a deck you want and actually get the cards you need for it, then, you know, you kind of have this deck you want to play, you might be excited for, but then you start getting a little depressed or a little, you know, upset at the fact that you can't go on, and that can easily trot you down into a slump-like state where you just don't end up playing or you end up playing, but you're playing with a suboptimal version of what you want. And now you're not actually having fun like you were expecting and you're just kind of doing worse. So we've gone over, you know, uh, just a couple of different reasons for why slumps occur. Well, I got, I got one more. One more. Okay. One more to add to the pile. Go ahead. Um, the last one uh, that I came up with was oversaturation. Um, so sometimes you read too many articles or listen to too many podcasts, never enough commander cast, but too many other podcasts. You watch That's too many right. YouTube videos or you spend too much time theory crafting or deck building or making things on tapped out and you're not actually playing the game. It can actually kill your desire to actually go out and play people and actually the game because you spend so much time armchair quarterbacking it that you're, you're researching it and your, your fun becomes the researching and seeing how the pieces fit rather than putting the cardboard on the table and slinging spells and having fun with people. So that's just another thing that keeps you away from doing what you want to do. No, that actually sounds about right. Because, oh, I mean, on the one hand, there's the aspect that I relate to this where it's like, okay, because I work in a warehouse and I'm pretty much just doing busy work for 10, 11 hours straight, four days a week, five days if we're really having one of those seasons, then all I do is just listen to podcasts nonstop. And hey, wouldn't you know it, some, most of those podcasts are, in fact, magic podcasts. And so I'll go ahead and hear something interesting. And I'll go, oh, I'll take out my little scrap piece of paper. I'll jot some notes down. Then when I get home, maybe I'll do some stuff with it. But then not actually getting to enact a lot of those plans. Like, there's a willingness to do it. And there's, like, actually being able to do a lot of the stuff that you were excited about. It's like, oh, okay, I made these changes to my character deck because I heard of this cool idea on the podcast. And, oh, wait, I don't have the time to go out and play. Well, maybe next week. Oh, I made the sweet Noyan Dardek because I heard about it on Commander Cast. 
oh, I can't go out because my kid has a thing. Okay, maybe next week. Maybe next week. And you're just spending too much time, you know, being on the internet looking at all these cool things that you're not actually doing the thing. You know, like living vicariously through a podcast or YouTube isn't the same as like inviting your friends over for a few hours on a Saturday and, you know, enjoying, you know, games of Commander. So take a breather from the research and actually do the thing that you're looking to do. Now, listeners, we are not advocating that you just drop Commander Cast right now to go play with your friends. No. By all means, go ahead and play us in the background. Introduce your friends to us. Let us expand our arms around your entire playroom. Yeah. Like, don't just leave us to play, Commander. Like, come on, take us with you. And don't be surprised if, like, if you play us in the background and then one of your friends decides that they want to stop the game real quick because they want to go get some piece of sweet tech that they didn't hear about before and add it to their deck that they're currently playing that happens to be within theme or topic of what we were discussing. Yep. And, hey, Brian, stay off that bench, okay? That's Steve's seat. Brian, you stay off that bench. Oh, and, hey, watch out for Alex's counterspell right there. You see that one? No, no, no. Pull off on that Tomagoyf. In fact, why are you playing Tomagoyf? Why are you, why, why aren't you using Craven Behemoth? Anyway, watch out for Alex's counterspell. Okay? Just pass the turn, then counter someone else's spell. There we go. Okay, so. Do you, you guys need a segue into ways to get out of a slump? I was, I, can, ju- I was literally I, just about to ask. So, Dan, we've got to head, we've got to head, and I'm stuck there forever. We're, we're kind of slumped into our own slump about slumping right now, so let's try and get our way out. What what are some of the ways in your experience to just try and get out of it? You mentioned one of them, which is to just kind of stumble upon a new, refreshing, and interesting idea that you haven't discovered before. But, you know, some couples need a little more initiative in the bedroom. Well, uh, wow. I don't know how kinky you're going to get throwing pieces of paper at each other. Um, but um, one of the ways that um, – these are Is all that a lower class you're hiding, or are you just happy to see me, baby? <laughs> you don't want paper cuts down there. Ever. Uh, That's why we use protection and sleeve everything up. <laughs> oh, oh, I set you up for that one. All right, so I'll try to bring it back. Like my ashing is about to go on a pilgrimage, if you know what I am saying. Why? You're about to find out why those mountains are red. It is a gap Ew. between two consenting adults and a stack of paper. Go, go, Unless, of course, you're Bill Cosby, which it's one consenting adult. No. Uh, pile of pills. No, 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 no. Dad, run, run, Dad. I'm going. So some other ways to get out of a slump other than, you know, hoping you have that eureka moment. Um, some of the things that I've done are I've broken my favorite decks. Like, I've retired them, uh, the decks that are boring and never fun. I'll break it up uh, and use the cards for other decks. They'll go in the trade binder that actually I use to trade. Poor Mark is in his dusty trade binder. Um, yep. Neglected. Um, they'll go into the card box or whatever, but basically you force yourself to start fresh since you're not having fun with old viable deck. Um, another thing you can do other than breaking it is smashing it. You can take, you know, two monocolored decks that you're playing and find a two-color general, slam them together. Do the same thing with two two-color decks and, uh, pick a shard or a wedge general and you can streamline that deck as you play it. That's what ended up happening for me with my Sadisi self mill deck that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. That was a Mirko Vosk deck and a Jared Golgari Lichlord deck that I just kind of broke, smashed them together, and just saw what come of it, and it became a brand new favorite deck and helped me get out of the slump. Wow, that's actually exactly how Murat came about. What, smashing two decks together? Yeah, just on and Gahiji, smashing together. Figure out that I really, really like Naya Soul Sisters. Hmm. And you don't, you don't know if you like it until you've smashed it together. You know, it's just sometimes it's dumb luck. Sometimes it won't work, but sometimes it'll be like your new favorite deck. Yeah, I love that, Antler Man. 
Um, are you guys okay with me mentioning um, other sources of, uh, you know, other guys on the internet? For No, by all means, go ahead. Okay. What do you mean, like other, like, commander podcasters? Yeah, like, I was going to mention um, the Command Zone um, and Jason Alt over at Gathering Magic because they were useful for me for getting some ideas. Uh, but I know that they uh, kind of, like, ignore you guys, which is really, really weird. Um, it's understandable. Like, hey, like, we're a community. If they choose to ignore us, that's on them. We, on the other hand, we have no problems mentioning other places. We're completely free. No one pays us. So as long as they don't, like, sue us for mentioning them as a good source <laughs> of information, then we're good. Yeah, okay, yeah I, I do listen to the Command Zone, like, all the time. So, yeah, and, there's, and there's also the Commander in podcast. Which, oh, yeah, I always mean to and, check out. And uh, what was it? MTG Cast has uh, five commanders now. That's also another commander podcast that's shown up. Yep. It just, no, it just, I don't, I like other commander, like, types of media. It just, I a just pe- don't like us. A little piece of me dies when they say, well, we started because there is, like, no other commander podcast. Yeah, that got me, that got me a little fired up because you kind you can't search Google and Commander Podcast without you guys showing up. Yeah, like, just... You know, like, just, uh, you, don't, you don't have to treat you guys like the Godfather or anything, but you're kind of doing big disservice. Like, I like I, I get it. The guys on Command Cast got onto the Community Cup because they do video game high school and, and all that. Like, I, I get it. I get that, but still. Command Cast. We're it together. We're just trying to have fun. All, all right, right, so, I'll, Dan. I'll jump into that. Um... So another another way to get out of a slump is to just change the way you approach building your decks. Like Jason Alt over at Gathering Magic has a really great um, 75% building philosophy deck series that he does, um, really? where it's really awesome. Um, Mark, you said that you've checked it out before? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I really dig Jason Alt stuff. I mean, everything from... I actually just, like, love what Jason Alt does in general, man. Like, everything from his, like, finance work and his writings about the finance of Magic... Um, Cause he has a lot of really cool, uh, really cool advice about that. But man, 75% commander, like a lot of his, just a lot of his deck ideas in general, even if you just divorce it from, I know like some people don't like the 75% idea, like we've talked about it before on the cast, but like just some of his decks in general are just really cool. He puts a lot of really creative stuff up. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a way you can take that 75% building philosophy and apply it to the way you make decks. Um, if you prone to making really powerful decks, um, that win too much and people hate it when you play it. Like you can consider not dumbing it down, but you know, bringing it in line with the 75% philosophy, which if you go and check out his articles, he'll explain it in better detail than I can. But basically you want to win one out of every four commander games that you play. Um, and if I'm butchering that, someone please correct me in the comments. Um, but the, you know, that's one way to approach deck building. You could try like the guys at the command zone, um, Jimmy and Josh, right? Um, they've mentioned that they build their decks very formulaically. Like, they use X cards for card draw, and X cards for ramp, and X cards for Google, and so on. So if you've been having problems putting, like, a competitive deck together, maybe you could try optimizing your deck by making sure you're reserving certain slots for certain cards to help you smooth out the issues you're going to. Um, another popular thing that, that's popped up on uh, Commander Cast that guys have mentioned is you could other 99 a favorite deck. Swap out all the cards that you made the deck with and rebuild it, avoiding all those other cards. You know, cut out format staples, personal staples, and good stuff, and see what you have left and make that deck work. It's just giving you a challenge that helps breed creativity and, you know, you know, put some self-imposed restrictions on it. Give yourself a budget or do what Mark did with Commander 95. Like, only use those cards from 95 and before. Ooh, um, this is actually big. 
actually, I want to go ahead and mention what I've been doing on top of that because, you know, can I just say that I never realized how many sun times I had? <laughs> like, I was no problem. Like, okay. I, like, I, like, I recently decided, you know what? I need to go ahead and kind of diversify my decks a little bit. Like, I kind of need to keep my budget in mind. Like, I work at a game store where I can get some of this stuff on, like, store credit loan type things. But I also can't afford to just go crazy. And also, Cyclonic Rift is apparently going in a lot of blue decks and people complain about stuff. Like, anyway, so I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to restrict myself to only one of each mythic among these decks. And, like, a place of the rares, because that covers, like, the rare dual lands and stuff like that. And, like, comments on comments, just fuck it all. I can have as many of those as I want, because those help make my decks go. I have, apparently, like, seven Sun Titans in my decks. Like, I didn't realize how hard I was leaning on Sun Titan as a crutch for just kind of, like, random land recursion or weenies or whatever. Like, I had... Apparently, I just got four of those Emiria Shepherds overnight. You know, the one that gets, like, a non-land when you play a pl- planes and all that. Yeah. So, she's probably going to end up taking, like, some number of those slots that the Sun Titan used to have. But at the same time, now I only have just the one Sun Titan in my Carador deck. Because it's a lands deck. And that's awesome. And it, now you don't have to see that card in, like, seven other decks. So you don't have the repetitive gameplay experience that you might have if you hadn't cut them out. Absolutely. Which is, you, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, it just helps you avoid running into that situation. Yep, in that situation where it's like, oh, he's playing blue-white. He obviously has Cyclonic Rift. Nope. Wait, what? Like, people were generally... Like, there was one guy who was generally shocked that I wasn't running Cyclonic Rift in Noyandar. Yeah, if once, once you once you remove the crutches that are, like, format staples, you're, you're forcing yourself to find answers to problems that maybe you thought you had covered, and now you don't. Um, so it's, it's just one of those things that helps break up the gameplay experience. Um... Another one that I have for you is, uh, under changing the way you build your decks, is build a pauper deck. Um, you don't have to do the uncommon commander and common cards. You could do your rare commander and just use nothing but commons. Just force yourself to look at all these problems in different ways and build something new. Because restrictions are going to breed creativity, and once you're being creative, it's going to help force you out of that slump. And um, that's something I did with Kalia, too. Like, yes! Like, the other 99 Kalia ended up actually being just total shit. Because a lot of those staples that I was relying on for Kalia actually end up just kind of being essential to run Kalia the way I want to run her. But a lot of them are also at common and uncommon. So I can play a depowered Kalia deck and still have it be the Kalia deck I want it to be, which is awesome. Um, for I've only got a couple more guys, so uh, I'll, I'll go through them as quick as I can. Um, if you're having problems with your meta, you can try to shake up your meta. Um, find what's keeping your meta stale and build the anti-meta deck. Um, it's a creative exercise again. That's like the theme I keep going back to is, is being creative. Um, and it forces you to build a deck, uh, in a way you may have never done before because you have to analyze other players' decks, find their weaknesses, and it forces you to look at the game from a different angle. Uh, my buddy Greg, second shout out, way to go, Greg. Um, he made a punch deck because the meta he was in when he was back up in Maine was this incredibly slow, yank your teeth out, three hour game, like combo centric meta. Uh, there's an echo there. Did anyone else get it? Okay, cool. Um, so he built this this group punch deck, um, and it helped. He kept playing it to the point where everyone else had to figure out how to deal with this new problem deck, and it changed the meta. And if people don't like you playing this deck, at the very least, uh, it's going to engage. It's going to force people to engage and talk to you about what's making it stale. Um, 
You could you could add house rules. Do that for your house game. Do that for your 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 store. Whatever, just to make people approach the game differently. Oh, I can't wait to do that next week. Like I love my Noyandar deck, but apparently, no, um, I might be the only one after everyone else has had a chance to play against it. So, and part of the reason is that they are. It's kind of the similar idea where it's like they're playing the the slower kind of more grinding decks, like the Aloru deck. That was there. There's also like the five color progenitus player who's playing tribal Eldrazi, all the colors. So I can't wait to come into uh, next week like Yasova or Aurelia. Actually, someone actually wants the, me to play Kalia, so I need to bust her out. That man hates his life. The man is also playing Iona in his Carador deck, so. No, uh, he's got to come and then screw yeah. that guy. There we go. Love, um, love you, Steven. So the, the, la- the last two things would be the, the most desperate things you could do. You could actually get out of your house. Uh, stop playing Moto and go to a local game store. I'm sorry, what? Stop playing Moto and go to your local game store. Okay, so That's I, I, hear the, I, I hear the words that you're saying, and I recognize that they are arranged in a way that is structured commonly to the English language. But that is where it ends. There, there's this place, um, it's a small business, usually a brick and mortar establishment, that sells pieces of paper, which are very similar to the digital images you're playing with on Moto, but you hold them in your hand, you'll play them with real live, breathing human beings, and you'll get to see the game in a completely different manner. You'll visit these local game stores and, you know, hopefully meet new people and find new people for your playgroup, or people will find you for their playgroup. Um, it's a great way to meet friends and, you know, shake everything up for, your, for yourself. Hmm. And then if that doesn't work, just take a break. (laughs) It's just stop playing. Step away. Do other things. Take a week. Take a month. Take the season, year, whatever. Just stop. There are other things to do. You've probably got a ton of other hobbies. Great TV shows like Mark was mentioning. Some even from the 50s that his wife had never seen. (laughs) But just, you don't, it's a game. It doesn't matter. If you're not having fun, stop and, you know, find what's going to bring you satisfaction in life. All right. So, Mark, what are your final thoughts on this? I know, man. I think Dan did an awesome job wrapping it up. I mean, my my only recommendation really is is just what I do. I mean, I just walk away for a little bit. Like, magic is always going to be there. You know, like, my cards are on my shelf. My decks are in their boxes. They're still, I mean, barring a fire or, like, nuclear annihilation, like, they're going to be there in a couple months or however long it takes me to get back into it. So, Barack Obama's going to take your magic cards. Thanks, Obama. The one thing I would suggest as far as, like, you know, shaking up your, like, if you're in a slump, like, yes, if you need to take a break, feel free, take a break. Don't worry. Magic will be there. Commander Cash will still be here when you return. But if you're not going to take a break or you just need to shake your meta up, like, you know, do some of the suggestions we've made earlier. Change your decks around. Mash your decks together. Hell, if you just want to add some extra stipulations to your thing, like playing some plane chase or playing an arch enemy version of your commander field or... Maybe mashing, like, I don't know, Tower or Horde or some other weird random combination of some other format that's casual that you can probably figure out with your friends. Hey, you got, like, if you got enough friends and you've got six people, you can always just go right ahead and play Emperor with your commander deck. Just to do something different to try to, like, break yourself out of the slump. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know what, yeah, maybe it's time to sit the deck down, take a weekend, week, two, whatever you need, get yourself back together and do your thing. All right. And, you know, I don't really have anything else to add. I think Dan just knocked that out of the park. So let's go ahead and go into our strategy segment now, sent to us by Mr. El Stacco. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
you know, I hope I didn't hog up that that segment on you guys. No, you know what? That was fantastic. I love listening to what our guests have to say. It's a fantastic opportunity for listeners to hear other people besides us four because they get to hear us like every week. The guests, though, I like to try and focus a little more on the guests when we have someone who hasn't been on before. Or- Today's strategy segment, we have an email from Mr. L. Stargo himself, Stark Maximum. Hey, buddy. And he sends us an email saying when he builds a commander deck, he likes to build a theme. You know, like mechanically theme, you know, Melvin style, where it's like, okay, I want to build a deck where X matters. Or we'll go ahead and build around this kind of mechanic. Or maybe it's kind of a cool, fun theme. Like it's, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make a kill a kill deck. And everything that goes in the deck has to remind me of a certain character or something from the show, you know, stuff like that. But recently, he tried making a Bruna deck for his friend, you know, to help get his friend into EDH and all that. And he knows his friend well enough that he's like, okay, my friend likes this, he likes that, so let's go ahead and make sure we have all this. But by the end of it, the Bruna deck itself only had, like, ten enchantments. So his friend wanted it to be an enchantment deck, but it only has ten enchantments. So... He's worried that that's not really on theme. And it really, and it prompts the question, how far do you have to go to really consider something on theme? How much theme is too much theme? And at what point do you need to kind of, like, and what's kind of the bare minimum for theme? We kind of had this talk a bit a while back when Aaron was on, and we had that big thing about what's tribal versus non-tribal. I still maintain that you can have a mostly tribal deck and include non-tribal stuff and have it still be tribal, like, the Ib Goblin, the Ib Nation just isn't a Goblin deck, unless we use that criteria. But, let's go ahead and outline this first. Guys, what do you think is just kind of the bare minimum to call something a theme deck? Like, I can't just throw in, like, three cards of cycling into Noriandar and call him a cycling deck, right? Nope. I'm, I'm calling that, I'm drawing that line right there. No. Three, if you have three of one particular thing, Unless that one particular thing you only have three of is something that you can recur so damn often that it's almost as if you have, like, eight or nine or twelve copies of it, then no, it's not a thing. So are we putting the limit at, like, eight to twelve? No, I'm not saying that, but let's go like this. For me, and this is just me going off with my personal views and opinions, these are mine, not representative of CommanderCast.com or any of its other affiliates. For me, if something is supposedly a quote-unquote theme, you have to be able to do it consistently multiple times throughout an entire game, okay? So say, for instance, you have a theme deck with creatures with first strike, and you don't have any creatures with first strike except for, like, your commander and, like, four other guys. I wouldn't really consider it to be a first strike deck unless you had a bunch of other things in there that granted first strike. Uh, say, for instance, uh, you're building a blink deck, right? And you can only blink, like, two or three times. So you only have one permanent that does the blinking. Unless you have a way to consistently get that permanent out, get that permanent from your graveyard, get that permanent back to the field, find a way to get it processed and put back into your graveyard from exile one way or another, then no, it's not really doing it because the moment that one card disappears, your quote-unquote theme completely vanishes. If you're building a theme deck, that theme has to be present on a consistent and continuous basis. And if it isn't being properly represented, it's more of a sub-theme or something of that nature that I would consider it. 
So, like, say for Williams' example, if you had your million-dollar deck and you put three cards that had cycling in it, unless those cards had flashback or you had some other way of, like, regrowing them or eternal witnessing them back or whatever the case may be, so you can recycle and recycle and recycle them again and again and again, then no, it's not a thing. It may qualify as a sub-theme because it's something you can do more regularly than other stuff. Like, say, for instance, like, uh if we had cycling versus metalcraft, just to pick two mechanics off the top of my head, you have a deck full of artifacts, you have a bunch of creatures of metalcraft, and you're getting your metalcraft on, you cast your cycling, it goes away, and you're able to get the cycling back at least, like, eight or nine times then yeah, the cycling might be considered a sub-thing, but you could probably build that a little bit better if you put a few more cards with cycling into the deck as opposed to relying on just those three. Uh, I don't know, I mean, too much theme. I was going to say, I, I, before I remember that I love Commander 95, I was going to say that too much theme comes in when you start sacrificing like actual gameplay in the name of your theme. Like If you're putting things that actively make your deck just not not just like a little worse. Like you know, like we're gonna talk in the next segment. Like not swapping out like one kind of hard counter for a different hard counter, or like a you know whatever, like an arcane denial for a counter spell or something. Like something that's just actively making it worse. Then maybe you're trying to theme too hard. Like if if it's gonna if it's gonna leave you in a place where you're unhappy with the deck, like you're unhappy playing it, or you know it's not gonna match up well against your meta, or you're just gonna get your ass stomped. I mean. I don't know, man. You can only play so many games that you're like, yeah, look at my cool theme deck. And you sit there, you know, getting your dick smashed in the dirt while everyone else is having a good time playing, you know? For it to be considered a theme deck, you need to have your core mechanic that's the theme. You know, it can be a mechanic, it can be a creature type, whatever. It has to be represented. Like, your gameplay should focus around the theme. It's very tough to call that Bruna deck that Stark Maximum was referencing an enchantment deck when it only has ten enchantments. I know he mentioned that there are a lot of tutors and ways to recur it, but at the same time, if your your deck is built along only those ten enchantments and you have to go find them, and you're you're, you're sometimes you can struggle to play it. I don't think you're being true to the theme. I think you're making a really um, a really interesting Bruna deck that's going to be super consistent and it's going to know what tutor gets what card at what point of the game every time. Um, so it's going to be really on point there. But I don't think you encompass a theme when, you know, you, you've limited your, yourself to only 10 enchantments and you're trying to call this deck an, an enchantment theme deck. Right, but the reason why I'm going with the concept of, like, being able to recur and reuse it, like, what, uh, when we get into the discussion for the mono-white reanimator deck in our future episode, if you've basically only got, uh, let, let's say, for instance, you've only got, like, two or three cards that actually can do the recursion for you, you know? Like, say, for instance, like a retether. You, or, uh, what's that one card that used to get played in, um, the eggs deck for, um. Oh, modern, um. Uh, second uh, Sunrise? Second, yeah, sunrise? second Sunrise? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, say for instance, you have, like, Second Sunrise, right? But you've only got, like, the one copy because, you know, it's Commander, and you've only got, like, one or two other cards in the game that does the effect similar for you, and it's your Second Sunrise theme deck, then yeah, I can get that because you have to find a way to continuously get it back, reoccur it, reuse it, redo it, replay it, recycle it, and just have it continuously being available to you. In which case, yes, it can be considered a Second Sunrise theme deck because you're getting a chance to keep going for it. But if it's like a ability or if it's a card effect that there's plenty of, like say you're doing Bruna and you're doing enchantments, 
then there's no need to continuously put that much recursion into your deck because, you know, you could just replace that recursion piece with another just as powerful or useful enchantment that Bruner could then use, right? Which is one of the reasons why I look at it. It's like, you know, like I would give it, I would consider the theme deck as long as the options of what you're trying to do are extremely limited and you have to do the recursion to keep it going. But if you're doing like an elf tribal deck or, I don't know, like you're building like a... a a double strike theme deck and you can't gather up enough creatures with double strike to build into the deck to at least hit or draw them without having to tutor for them or search them up, then you're kind of got a weak theme. I think the the other issue here that, that weighs heavily for me is in Stark's email, he mentions he's building it for a friend who really likes enchantments um, and they're a newer player. And this deck, you know, it sounds like the guy wants to play enchantments all the time. Like they're, they're his jam. And so, you know, you do have ways to go fish out those enchantments, but they're, they're such a limited component of the deck. Um, it feels like if you've got to do all that work to find these this small amount of enchantments, you're doing more work searching and finding than getting the chance to play. And so for me, like, if you up that count to, like, let's pretend it's like a Bruno Aura deck, you know, you've got, like, 15, 18, you know, enchantments and things that, that synergize really well with those enchantments, you know. The, the classic suite of enchantresses, um, creatures that get buffed when they're enchanted, things like that. You're taking the theme of enchantment, and everything kind of synergizes really well. So it's not about, like, it's an enchantment deck because I'm going to go get enchantments. You know, it's an enchantment deck because everything that I'm doing, whether it's the creatures I'm playing or the removal I'm playing or the things I'm tutoring for, the, they, they all synergize really well with the theme, so the entire deck's connected. It's not just about, I'm going to find this thing so I can play it and call it uh, a theme deck. So I think when you look at it as a, like a big picture element, as long as you've got, you know, your central theme and you've got your deck synergizing around that theme, and it's not just about, I'm going to call it this because I've got three of these cards and I'm just going to try to play it every time. To me, that, that you know, again, it's all subjective. It feels to me more like a, a theme deck when you've got everything kind of wrapped around the central theme rather than like a limited portion of the deck is the theme and you're just trying to force it. Okay. You know? So, let's go ahead and look at the flip side of that. And I actually had the perfect example here, because once you know, I consider Noyan Dar a bit of a theme deck. The theme being that it's actually a, it's actually what I would call a creatureless deck. Because I really wanted to be all in on the, yeah, I'm going to use Noyan Dar to animate some lands, and I'm just going to throw some rocks at people's faces. Like, I don't need no Bulbarine most. I'm just going to do it old school. Like, actually send the rocks at your face. Are they covered in fish? And maybe. But see, here's the thing, though. I also decided to go ahead and get some ducks in there. So I actually, so I have Talon in there as, because he makes Drakes and Ballards. <laughs> so I have Talon in there as kind of like a backup commander, but I can't technically call it a creatureless deck. Like, I know there are people who say they have creatureless Melek decks, but at the same time, in a technical sense, yes, you're not playing any creature cards other than Melek, but you're playing things that make creatures in the forms of like token making. And maybe some stuff that actually animates and that and all that. And to the, that's it. Yeah, I do that too. Like I've got my fairy conclave. I actually have a blink moth nexus, which killed someone with ten infect damage in one turn, actually, which was awesome. But with Noyandar, I actually wanted to try and re- really focus in on the fact that it's Noyandar animating lands and throwing them at people. Like Tauren's in there as the backup. That's the concession I made. Like, I could have stuff like Myth Realized in there where it gets a counter every time you cast a non-creature spell, and you can just animate it and it becomes a huge-ass monk, but because literally everything else in that deck is not a creature. But I didn't, because I really wanted to focus on the land aspect. Like, I could still play, like, the Midnight Haunting and all those instant speed token-making stuff that I've been playing in Marath, which are awesome, 
And that would fit on theme of being instance and sorceries animate the lands, and maybe I get some extra dudes. But that doesn't really convey the theme of, okay, the only real creatures in this deck are the lands. But this having, the, like, if I just said, okay, I need some other ways to make creatures, do that, does that really disqualify me from saying it's my creatureless theme deck or it's my non-creature theme deck? It, it, well, it's kind of difficult to actually say that you're building a creatureless deck in Commander because your Commander is, nine times out of ten, a creature. So unless your commander was like a, one of the newly printed planeswalkers that can be your commander, then it's kind of difficult to go completely no creatures. A creature will be there because it will be at the helm. And in your million dollar deck, it's going to be him. <laughs> we say this, so, we say this with this concession in mind, sir. Right. I'm no, I understand. I'm just saying like saying like, and even then, so like there would have to be some type of leeway just for that. As far as including Tyrat into the deck, yes, I understand that he does make Drake some mallets and you want to throw wet ducks at people because you're a jerk. But in the same token, part part of me wants to say he should come out due to the fact that you are trying to go with a creatureless deck. But then another part of me is like, but then again, he's the only creature in there. So it's kind of like, I'm not really sure how to process that particular bit of information to actually say whether or not it is creatureless. So let's go ahead and turn it over to Dan and Mark. What do you guys think? Um, for, for me, I guess I don't take the, the creatureless thing at, it, at its most literal sense. Because for me, I feel like if your, your, your main mechanic that you're working with is playing creatureless spells, I mean, I would play, I would play your, uh, Noy and Dar deck, and, you know, I would even be comfortable calling it creatureless with like five or ten creatures that supplement my theme. Because the main thing I'm trying to do here is play spells, uh, you know, sorceries and instants and whatnot. And so I'm, I'm putting a lot of the weight of my deck behind this creatureless way to, way to win, whether it's, you know, spells that I'm playing that give me tokens, that lets me animate lands, or I'm playing spells that's going to affect the board. For me, you're, you're mostly playing creatureless spells. So if, to me, it would feel on point for it to be a creatureless deck, even if it had, you know, 10 creatures, including the commander. I feel like you're still there trying to get your theme. I think it still counts. But again, it's it's very much a subjective feel thing for me. It's not like a hard and steady thing there. Right, because like with that, it's like when you have such a low amount of uh, creatures in your deck, it's what the, the chances of you actually seeing the creature, unless you're doing some type of like tutoring or shenanigans to actually find them, find Talrad and pull them out, the amount of games that you're going to play where he never shows up are going to be most of them, right? So, yeah, the deck basically is creatureless with the random occasion of this other fish guy on a rock just randomly showing up. And with the name of the deck being Fish on a Rock, you know, it kind of works, I guess. Because fish you, know, fish? you have two fish, two rocks, it happens. Why do I want to play Change of the Rock in that deck now that I think about it? Oh, <laughs> so, oh, no, men- mentally. No, no, staying on topic, staying on topic. But yeah, like, but like, as I was saying, like, if you're only, if you've got so little of something, in your deck, then no, I wouldn't consider it to actually hinder the theme of the deck because the main deck still works. You still basically, most of the time you play, it's just going to be lands, going to spells to animate those lands, awakening, or something else that's going to occur where you might get a token or whatever, but you're never actually physically making or creating or casting a creature yourself outside of your commander given. And that's where I would say like certain things like that fall into like the sub theme genre. Certain decks have sub themes. Like say for instance the Bruna deck that Stark is mentioning. There's only ten enchant ten enchantments in it. If it's supposed to be an enchantment based deck and you only got ten, then they fall into a sub theme of enchantments because your deck is doing something totally different most of the time. 
with the random occasion of a enchantment showing up here and there outside of you tutoring or shenaniganing. In which case, you might have well might as well just put in more enchantments so you wouldn't have to waste the time tutoring and shenanigans. You could use that mana to just cast an enchantment. So then, let's go ahead and look at a less mechanical theme. Like, I call my Derevi deck kind of a Fire Emblem-themed deck because as I was building I just kept thinking, huh, you know, it's like kind of... This deck came with three multicolored commanders that you can just kind of swap in and out. And that actually just kind of reminds me of the first Fire Emblem game that came to America, you know, with Lynn, Hector, and Elwood. So, okay, those guys are kind of like lords. And, oh, well, we also have some uh, role-playing legends in here, like a zombie draws cards, and then Mudron's on a horse. So, yeah, this kind of has a nice Fire Emblem theme to it. And kind of as the decks evolved, you know, I've kind of found more excuses to put more and more legendary creatures in there, because once you know, most legends have sweet tap effects. So it's kind of... So right now, it's just kind of a pseudo-Sisei deck, only has Derevi, because it's full of, like, sweet legends. Like, I got both Dragonlords that I can fit in there and all that. And I justify by saying, okay, well, the Dragonlords are, like, the Manakeets. You know, they're those dragon people that you get late in the game, but you can't actually use that much because they burn their dragon stone so fast. And then by the time you get to the late game where you would actually want to use them, it's like they're so low-level that they're not that effective anyway. Come on, guys. But, yeah, there's nothing really mechanically that themes this deck as a Fire Emblem deck. It's all just me kind of retrofitting part of it to be like, okay, this kind of makes sense to me, or this resonates to me this way. And, okay, I just kind of put in some other cards, because, one, they're functional for what the deck wants to do. It wants to beat with creatures that fly, and have evasion, and untap stuff. And it also just kind of reminds me, again, of Fire Emblem. So, like, at what point do we kind of put the line there? What? Uh, hold on. Which, uh, Mark stepped away from the deck, uh, for the moment. I was just about to ask. Maybe one of you guys can help me out. Which listener was it that was talking about his Game of Thrones theme deck? That was, that was me. It was that the very Group Hug deck. There we go. Just making sure. Now, see, like, with Dan's, uh, Bears Group Hug deck, that's technically a theme deck. It doesn't, none of the cards in his, uh, Game of Thrones Varys theme deck actually have Game of Thrones characters on them. They don't directly deal with magic correctly. There aren't any Game of Thrones characters in magic as far as I can tell. But the thing is, is that the deck does play and go along with the feel of how he wanted it to play. Correct? Oh, yeah. So so that means that that is technically a theme deck because the theme of the deck is something that he's playing around with. Now, if we're talking about mechanically, uh, mechanical speaking, as in like actual magic, like you're going with an actual mechan- uh, actual magic mechanic, or you're going with an actual magic sub-theme of creatures or whatever the case may be. Yes, you need a certain amount of things for it to work. But if you're going by something that, like a deck that makes you feel like you're doing something correctly or doing something one way or another, or you're trying to match your deck up with a particular show or genre of TV shows or whatever the case may be, in which case, yeah, you can just kind of like go with whatever best suits you within your realm. Because, you know, you're basically trying to build a deck that technically doesn't exist in a particular game to feel like something else. That's fully understandable. No, I couldn't personally knock you for doing your theme deck that direction, you know? Because, you know, hey, that's the way the deck makes you feel. You want it to be like a a character that does this. Hey, you want to try to, if you want to build a a theme deck that makes you into a pyromancer... You can build it up with a bunch of fireball and lightning bolt effects or whatever the case may be. So you can just burn and the fields and shoot as many faces as you want. There's no quarrels there because, you know, that's the thing you're going for. Now, granted, 
if you're building this deck and you're trying to say, yeah, I'm going to build the Artifact Shroom Hedgemon deck, but you don't put any artifacts in it and you don't even have Shroom Hedgemon as your commander, then you're kind of like messing up what the theme would be because you're not touching on any of the things that your theme is supposed to be about. And that, that makes total sense because I think, I think theme is such a big word when you talk about magic in the magic community. Like for some people, like where, where, when I read Stark's email, I, I instantly went to mechanics and that's where we started the conversation on. And, you know, I, I didn't even realize, like, for instance, like my, my various group hug deck, like that is a theme deck in style and feel, not in mechanics. So depending on what you're trying to build, like you said, Calvin, with like you want to do the Pyromancer deck, you make a burn deck, um, you know, it, your theme deck can be mechanically sound or mechanically focused, um, or it can be like Will's deck, you know, video game theme focused, where you can tell a story, you know, with your theme. You know, it, it adds an element of like a conversation piece to a game, or it's a way to build a deck that enriches you in a different way. Like for me, it was like creating like the deck that Varus the Spider would play, and for Will, you know, it was his game idea. And, you know, that in and of itself, like I said, there's no... There's no Game of Thrones cards and there's no video game cards, but at the end of the day, you're, you're still hitting that theme. So I guess it's one of those wrinkles that we didn't notice at the beginning of Stark's question, like, is that Bruna deck an Enchantress deck? Well, or an Enchantment deck? Well, if we're talking mechanically, it seems like he's missing a little bit of a punch. And if we're even talking um, thematically, like, the, the deck is all about enchantments and what enchantments are going to do. You know, it, it even feels a little lacking in that respect as well. Right. And as far as we were talking about, like with that particular deck, in order for me to say that a deck fits the theme feel with such little, with such little enchantment in it, then those 10 enchantments would have to be like, uh, I don't know, like say for instance, you're building, what, what's the, uh, blue white commander? Do I know that it? has detained. Oh, Lavinia. Alright, so say you're going with Lavinia, right? And you're building a law deck because you want, you know, you want to be the judge. You want to be, exactly, judge dredging it up all over the place. And you put martial law in there and that's the enchantment that you're using to lock things down and arrest. And you've only got like, I don't say, let's just say you only have like 10 enchantments that lock things down. Soul ring, not soul ring, uh, 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 oblivion ring, arrest, martial law. Journey to nowhere, uh, journey to um, nowhere or somewhere or wherever that is. Um, <laughs> at all. And, and like, let's say like fate's feathers and a handful of other like quote unquote arrest cards, right? Then yeah, you've got your, you got your judge, you've got your police officer commander, you've got a couple of cards that detain things, you've got a couple of other things, and you've only got those 10 enchantments. If the rest of your deck is also involving creatures that have detained, then yes, you are building a police force. You've got a nice little arrest deck going on there. You're on theme. So you don't need that many enchantments in that particular deck to hit the themes. Most of your cards are also playing along that line. But if you're only got those 10 enchantments and then like, I don't know, like the other, like what, 50 cards in your deck don't have anything to do with enchantments. They're just tutors. They're just drawing because you're trying to just get martial law on the field, then it's less of a martial law. It's less of a arrest deck and more of like a, here's how I get martial law out in the field and win. In which case it's like, I wouldn't really qualify it as a theme because it's just more like if you're trying to get Nico Bolas down on the field and you cast, you cast, you find a way to get him out and you're using them four or five or six times. 
Yeah, you're reusing them multiple times, but I'm not really sure that really qualifies as a theme, unless, of course, your quote-unquote theme is to just get Bolas to go off 20 times in one game. Well, just, just playing Nickel Bolas doesn't feel like it would be anywhere close to a theme. It just seems like that would be the, you know, the, the focus of the deck. You know, there we and, go. That's what I was trying to think of, focusing of the deck. It's not the actual thing. Thank you, Dan. Like, I was dancing around it. I knew that I was, knew there was something I was trying to say. I couldn't get my brain to wrap around it. But continue, continue. Words mean things. Um, but I, 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 think, I think you actually pretty much summed it all up. I mean, you're not going to call, you know, an ooze theme deck an ooze theme deck and only play, like, one ooze. In the same token, you're, you're not going to play an enchantment deck, call an enchantment deck, and limit your enchantments and your synergies with enchantments in the deck. So for Stark's case, I think depending on how the rest of the deck is built, like if it's all about enchantment support and all the creatures synergize really well, you know, um, I think you've got an enchantment deck. If you have an enchantment deck that, you know, there's a story behind this enchantment deck, like Bruna is going to be whatever, or she represents, you know, her, uh, his friend's, you know, ideal general, and this is, you know, it's from a story, and, you know, all these other pieces, you know, all the other cards fit into these different pieces, and there's ten enchantments, you know, you could push it towards it's more of a thematic theme deck where it focuses on elements outside of magic, and it kind of supports that. But to just call it, like, it's an enchantment deck because it has ten enchantments, that's like calling a deck like, uh, it's a card draw deck, because I have ten card draw cards in it. So I, I feel like, depending on what the deck list looks like, and depending how well either the deck synergizes with itself, or what the, you know, maybe the out-of-magic focus and influence is, really is going to help determine if it's a theme deck or not. But at the end of the day, who cares? Um, you know, if his friend is getting this deck, and it's a gift from Stark, and it's got some enchantments in it, I think they're going to be happy anyway you cut it. Um, I think if they really like enchantments, maybe focus more on the enchantment element of it. Just put more cards that say enchantment in there, uh, because that's what really gets his friend jazzed up. Um, I think it's great that he's making the deck for his friend, and I think he, you know, you know, outside from the semantics of it, um, you know, make the focus on building a good enchantment deck that if you put it in your friend's hand, you could say, like, he could look through it and go, this is clearly an enchantment deck. It has all my favorite enchantment cards and things that I think are cool. You've got a winner. If he's going to look, he or she's going to look at that deck that you give them and try to figure out how they need to make the enchantments work, I think that's when you need to relook at the, relook at the deck and say, how do I focus this more to make it very clear this is an enchantment-themed deck, this is an enchantment-focused deck? So I think what it comes down to is there's a difference between kind of a Melvin-themed deck and a Vorthos-themed deck. A Vorthos-themed deck, you have a lot more leeway on. With a Melvin-themed deck, you have to be mechanically relevant enough in order to actually show up. You know, it's, it's kind of like the uh, the as fan of a booster pack, right? Like, if your theme's not a common, it's not your theme. Unless it's Dragons of Tarkir, in which case it's suddenly not okay. Well, it's actually just shorthand for Asfan. No, I think I think you nailed it, Will. That that's actually a perfect way to sum all that up. Yep. All right. So, guys, do you have any last thoughts on theme before we wrap this up? Yeah. Uh, themes are amazing. Uh, if you are building a theme deck, you know, go ahead, find the niche in which you want to build, whether it be Warfilzy or Melvany, and you know, just try to stick with what you know and enjoy yourself. But just please try to make sure your theme occurs enough to the point where it can actually be seen multiple at most of the games that night. Nobody wants to see the one card just randomly showing up. So, Mark, what are your thoughts on theme? Well, I suppose to, to wrap it up, I don't know, man. I was wondering, did you guys bring up like a percentage on theme? To me, I was looking through some of my lists uh, before we started the, the show tonight, and I was 
I was thinking, I'm like, you know, as I'm looking through this, like about 30% of my deck is probably dedicated to my theme. Like hardcore, like if it's a soldier deck, like probably 30%, like there's probably 30 creatures in there with creature type soldier. You know what I mean? Or some kind of like effect that has like a soldier creature or like, or veteran armaments, you know, like an equipment that targets soldiers or something. Um, or like 30%, like between 25 and 30% is kind of like my, I guess, unofficial number for it, for theme. Because whatever I'm doing probably has that component to it. So I don't know if that's a, I guess, my own personal yep. cutoff. I mean, that's valid. Um, oh. <laughs> um, we didn't, we didn't come up with a percentage of like what the deck needs to be, but one of the things that came up, um, was you need to be able to see this theme like throughout the course of the game. Like one of the things that we talked about was with the enchantments in Stark's deck, he only has 10 enchantments and the rest of the deck is like dedicated to go finding those enchantments. It's tough to call that an enchantment theme deck because you're constantly hunting and searching for this stuff in order to play it as opposed to just playing it. Where in your mm-hmm. case, you've got like 30 plus soldiers plus a suite of equipment and instance of sorceries that support or generate soldiers. So you're seeing your theme throughout the course of the game. Um, it's easier to, to call that mechanically, uh, more of a theme deck than it would be with Stark's example. But then we also, you know, we dabbled on the semantics of a theme deck like my, my Feldegriff deck, which is Game of Thrones themed. And Will mentioned, um, of course the name keeps eluding me, a video game where, uh, he built a deck that's like, focuses on those characters so then you have a theme deck that's not mechanically themed but um you know themed outside of magic you know it's mm-hmm. it, it plays a certain way it feels a certain way because you're making it this way and you can tell that story to people and they can see the theme um so i think at the end of the day it's 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 one of those subjective things like if if somebody looks at a deck and they can't go oh this is a soldier deck or oh this is an enchantment deck uh, without you having to stop and explain why it is, I think you got a problem. But if someone flips through this deck and goes, oh, sweet soldier deck, because they can clearly see playing a ton of soldiers, uh, playing all this stuff that supports them, and there's clearly a, a militaristic theme in there, like, I think you got a winner. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that used to be, if I'm not wrong, like, that used to be the old criteria I think Andy and the crew had brought up. Like, if you have to, like, you said it perfectly, Dan, like, if you have to explain your theme to someone, you probably didn't do it right. Yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Unless of, like, course, unless, of course, you're just doing, like, the um, Game of Thrones thing, in which case, like, once you've explained that they see it, then it's fine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, but but even then, like, you know, looking through Dan's list, you could tell that it's, like, a different kind of Feldegriff deck. You know what I mean? Like, it's not your standard group hug. You're still going for group hug, but that's not, I don't know, maybe if it's not... Uh, I mean, obviously, when it, when it's something outside the game, you know, like if, if it's a Game of Thrones themed deck, I I mean, even uh, oh jeez, who built the other Game of Thrones themed deck? Um, shit, somebody else did, and it was a Carador deck, and it was like House Stark. It was oh, did you sweet. not? Is this a re- episode you haven't recorded yet? No, this was um, this is a long time ago. Actually, I don't think they t- they talked about it. But it I was, uh, Noel. I, Noel, actually, it was, he, I don't know if he ever put the list up anywhere, but he had, he had talked about making one, and so I don't, I, cause I, I assume that he must have finished it at some point. But like that part, so say like, alright, so you're making your House Stark deck, you know? Right. You're making a House Stark deck, like, you would have to explain that to someone else. Like there was a listener who wrote it to me, uh, um, oh god, it's probably like two or three months ago now. He wanted to do, like, five different Kill Bill themed decks, like Jeez. one one based one each mono colored one based around each of the deadly assassins. Like you know, his Oren deck would be a mono white deck. You know, like his, his yeah. 
and you know, et cetera, to like down the down the line. Um, and I'm like, man, that's fucking amazing. And like, that's an awesome theme, right? But you would probably have to tell someone that. So I guess there are exceptions to that, like that rule. If it's outside the game of Magic, like you probably need to clue somebody in because yeah. Yeah. if you sit down like an Oren Ishii deck in front of me, I'm gonna first of all, my mind's gonna be fucking blown. But I probably wouldn't get that right away, you know. I was just going to say, um, that was one of the things that Will brought up. He was talking about the difference between a Melvin-themed deck and a Vorkos-themed deck. And mm-hmm. when you're dealing with semantics, either can be a theme deck, but you have to clearly know, you know, what you're talking about, what you want it to be. Like, what's, what's the, uh, what's the deck focusing on? Is it focusing on telling a story through the cards that people will get a real kick out of as they're playing, or is it, creating a deck that's going to function a certain way because it has mechanics that synergize and you're focusing your theme around those synergized mechanics. Right. And the thing for the Warpdos version of it is is that I would say, like, once you've explained to the person you're playing against, like, yeah, this is my Kill Bill-themed deck. It's based around uh, uh, the Black Widow, you know? Or like you know, this Sorry. is my fraggle this is my fraggle rock deck and this is the commander and this is representing of this person this one represents this character <laughs> once you've explained that or whatever the case may be if your group sees it and they understand what you're going with good you hit the thing because from that point forward you no longer have to explain it to them because they now see it they get it and it's still like synced like with the game of throne theme deck that i'm continuously going back to it's like yes it's a feldegrift deck yes it's a different build of feldegrift than most magic players would see once you explained it's like um what was it house of Ren? oh because okay. i don't watch no, I, I haven't watched game of thrones uh the feldegrift theme deck with the well you're you're dan you're a feldegrift it's based on who uh varus the spider so he's not actually aligned with any of the houses he's just the master like he's the spy master so whoever is the king like he serves he's you know got right. his hands in all the different pots and stuff and there's all sorts of betrayal and mischief that he gets into yeah, but the thing is, is that once you explain, like, yeah, this is basically based on this character from the show, it's kind of a betrayal guy, he serves the king, and then you start playing the games, and the players at the table can see, ah, oh, yeah, now I see how that would work, how that fits with that particular character you explain, and you no longer have to explain it to the rest of the table, good. But if you explain it to them, and then you play the deck, and they still don't really see how it, like, works, like, yeah, this is my Power Rangers theme deck, but they can't figure out who the hell the Rangers are in your theme, then, yeah, you might be messing up a little bit. So, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our discussion on theme decks. If you have any theme deck ideas or whatever you want to discuss with us, shoot, feel free, shoot us an email, drop it into the comments. Next up, we're going into our technology segment where we're going to be talking about various forms of counter spells that are not the typical variety that you're used to. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. All right, I can't find them yet. Yeah, leave the damn books alone to stay on the show, because we have to hurry up and do the counter stuff now, because yes, Mark's got to go. Oh, dear Lord, I'm so sorry. I completely... It's like, wow, we actually have a show. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... We've already... I... right, we're done with the theme part. Take yes. us into the counter section. All right, then. Counters! I'm sorry about go ahead and just pop it away like that, but I am back, and you know what? It's time for us to go ahead and go into our technology segment, and our technology segment today is we're going to talk about, you know, just kind of 
delay tactics and counter spells that aren't really counter spells. So, Dan, this was something that you, that you kind of proposed to us. So go ahead and kind of go into some detail about what you mean by this. Okay, so for, for, for blue, one of blue's strongest, uh, plays is obviously counter spells. But personally, as a player, I don't like hard counters. I, I just, I don't like playing them. Um, I think it's too much of an answer for a lot of things. And it just, I don't feel good when I play it. So instead of trying to, just ban counter spells and just like hate on blue. I try to find what counter spells exist in magic that I can use that don't make me feel dirty, but also keeps the person I'm countering from getting salty about having their spell countered. So I try to look for counter spells, um, for people who don't like counter spells, you know, um, things that are a little bit different, maybe a little bit off the wall, perhaps a little bit less efficient that don't feel dirty to play. Um, and, you know, can keep the game going without someone just feeling bad. And if it, the further it goes to prevent draw go gameplay, the happier I am to play it. Uh, so, Mark, do you have anything you have to say about counters? I uh, no, I mean, you know, Dan introduced the topic really well. I think, I mean, sometimes do you get, you know, some people get the feel bads, man, when you counter their stuff. I, I mean, I, I think it's like one step, just like one step above when you blow up their lands. When you blow up the lands, that's when the knives come out. When you counter something, you, you know. You kind, of, you kind of feel like a dick when you do it sometimes. It depends. I mean, it depends on the situation. Sometimes, I mean, if you're, you're like counting a wrath, you're everybody's best bud. If you're just countering somebody's creature, like that's kind of shitty. I don't know. I was talking to Grandpa Growth earlier. Some of my favorite counter targets are tutors. Like, I don't want to counter what you're tutoring for. I just don't want you to tutor. So, yeah, that doesn't make me a whole lot of friends, but. Yeah, I know. Now that I think about it, the stuff that I was going to say aren't really just delaying counters. So much as it's just, well, they're just other answers. So, Dan, why don't you go ahead and start us off with a card that actually kind of delays things. Okay, see, the delay thing, um, cards like delay and remand, some people call them tempo counters, some people call them delay effects. For me, I consider that a player's choice. I personally uh, play more casually, so I prefer to counter spells that uh, leave a player uh, in a situation where they have to move on to plan B rather than just making them wait another turn to play plan A. So I avoid cards like remand, delay, memory lapse, and lapse of certainty. It's just a personal thing. I don't like being on the receiving end of those, so in turn, I don't put people on the receiving end of them. But for other people, you know, that might not feel salty to you, so go right ahead. Um, I figure as long as you avoid you avoid playing counterspell, cards like cancel, forbid, force of will, and that nature... You're already one step ahead of the game by not leaving people as salty as they could be. So when it comes to tempo counters, I think that's player's choice. I don't know how you guys feel, but, like, Mark, like, what are your thoughts about, like, Remand? Remand's all right. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I've been experimenting. I, I guess this is kind of like spoiling my picks, but I've been experimenting with Urtai's meddling recently. Um, you know, I so I'm not putting it back in their hand. I'm just I'm just delaying it. Like that's just a straight up delay. Like you know, Urtai's meddling is just one blue and an X. You pay X. That's how many delay counters you put on something. That's how many turns it's going to take for it to go off. Um, like that I I think is a little bit different because I mean people can see it come down the the pike. And in most decks that I'm playing Urtai's meddling in, like I play the variant of blue I usually play is a little more aggro blue anyway. You know, so I'll rock Urtai's meddling in my Misform Ultimus deck, which is going for, you know, like a Voltron win. Like, I don't need to hard counter your spell most of the time. I just need it to not go off right now, you know? So, I'm a fan of those kind. I'm also a fan of, you know, I guess 
more than just straight up like counter, like counter control is, uh, I don't know, man, I think it's bringing up some like some repressed trauma in my past, but I was just mutilated when I first came back into Commander, uh, or first, first came into Commander, first started coming back into Magic by some just hardcore Esper control decks, you know? It's like, don't let you do anything, countering everything out the gate. So, I kind of like to play around counters and do different things with them. Um, but I think it's a sweet topic. I think it's a neat, a neat idea. It's like, instead of just like jamming counterspell in every single deck, you know, play around with some different cool techniques and some different cool cards that don't get a lot of love. Alright. So, kind of in that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I was gonna go to my Noyandar deck for a lot of this because I like the, because the way I play the Noyandar deck is that it is a lot of tempo stuff. Like, I'm playing capsize and mind games to try and keep you off, off of, like, that one piece that you needed that turn so I can sh- still try and develop at a slower pace. Like, Noyandar is not a fast deck. It's incredibly reactive. And I get the feeling that once people figure out that all they have to do is just kind of smack me over and over again, I'm just kind of like a fish out of water. Like, wh- what am I actually going to do? You're more like a fish on a rock? Kind of, yeah. So, like, the deck doesn't have a lot of those uh reman type effects because I realized that I wanted just hard counters. But in the vein of not strictly countering just like everything, I do have cards that are more, okay, you're trying to mess with my stuff, well, I'm not going to necessarily stop you from doing stuff, but if you're trying to mess with my stuff, then that's when we have a problem. Stuff like Face Shield, which is a one-mana instant white from Dark Ascension. It says target permanent you control Gains protection from color of your choice, and then it's Fateful Hour, all your permanents have protection from that color, and so do you. Which, I have actually used that to, to save my blind obedience. And last Tuesday, I actually did use that as an effective fog. Like, Noyandara was dead like six different ways to Sunday that one game from just one player. Because one of them scooped because he had better things to do. Uh, I killed one. A third... Was, got his uh, goblin welder stifled. It was just done. He, he, he just wasn't having any of this shit. And the other the player at the table after that was a Crush All Creatures deck. So I'm a Noyandar creatureless deck fighting a Crush Creature deck. And every turn I'm having to try and fight him on some sort of access that isn't counterspells because I don't have those in my hand. So I can't always leave mana open for capsize. And he thinks he has me on the Inferno Titan. Like, I'm at two life here. He swings with that Inferno Titan. I'm just dead. He goes, he swings, and I go, Fog, pro-red, block your guy, he's dead. So he's still doing stuff, but I still have answers. And that's my contribution to the conversation. The only cards out of all the various blue decks that I've come across that I've built that I've even come close to this particular type of topic is Spin into Myth and Hinder. And both of them pretty much do the same type of thing where I can take the card. I have the option to put it on top of your library if I just need to delay it for the turn. And maybe probably be a little like uh, political in it. It's like, look, I understand you want to do this thing. I can't have you doing it right now. But you can do it next turn if you will allow me to have a little bit of time to do this. Or you could just be like, you know, but to hell with it. I really don't want to see that and just kind of put it towards the bottom of the deck and give them a chance to go try and search it, search it up again or go fish for the card again. And that's basically the two closest things that I have that's in any of my blue decks that involve, like, tempo plays, I guess, in a way, with counter spells. 
because most of the other spells that I have that would fall even close to that are actually like just bounce spells or return target permanent to its owner's hand, like um, Echoing Truth or something like that. Mm. And typically, like normally when I'm like playing something like that, if I'm going with a counter spell, I want that spell done. I want it gone into the graveyard, typically. If I just need the extra tempo or I need the extra turn or I need the extra like bit of time, that's when I normally just go with like just basic bounce effects like boomerangs and things of that nature because it gives me a chance to like, nope, I'm not dealing with that now. Get rid of it. I'll have to figure out another way to deal with it later or give my opponents or my other or the other players in the group a extra chance to go for it. Like, all right, we've seen the card. We know he has it in his hand. Now you guys have to come up with a way to stop it because I can only delay it for so long. I think I think all of those reasons make a lot of sense. And, you know, depending on who you're playing with, and what they're playing, sometimes that might be the more, um, you know, the, the less salty play right there. Because like you said, you're delaying what they're going to do as opposed to outright countering it. Um, like I said, though, for me, I, I just don't like waiting around, you know, play, you play a five-man game of Commander. It takes ten minutes to get to your turn. You go to play a Haymaker or something or, you know, something you've been sitting on for ten minutes and somebody just bounces it back to your hand or puts it on top of your library. It's and then you you go around the table again. It's been twenty minutes. You're still trying to make the same play. And just having been there, I just I know how much it bothered me, and it just kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. So I just avoid it. Um, but it, it can it can absolutely work for all the examples that you guys said. It's just I think that one those be, are definitely a player's choice kind of deal. So what cards would you put in this category, Dan? Um, for me, I like to I like to use specific counters for specific situations. Uh, it limits the things you can answer, but if a player plays into a situation that you have a counter for, it can feel like a more fair play as opposed to, you know, a counter spell where you think about it, okay, I let that through. Uh, think about it, okay, I let that through. Think about it, no, I, I, it's, I counter it, you're done. You know, it, it avoids the ability on your end, uh, and it avoids the temptation to answer any and every threat with hard counts, counters, and it limits that draw-go style of gameplay. So for me, I like to use cards like Disdainful Stroke, uh, Swan Song, or Essence Scatter. Um, they're counters for specific situations, but if, for instance, with Disdainful Stroke, where you get to counter a uh, spell with converted mana cost four or greater, you 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 know you can handle a haymaker, you know you can handle a bomb, you know you can handle a big a big spell, but it's forcing you to stay honest. So when someone's playing a smaller card, let's say like an Eternal Witness, you know you're, you're stuck. You just they're going to get that through, or a tutor or something, they might get that through. It's just a different way to to limit the amount of counters that you're playing or the answers that you can have. Um, and if somebody plays into your counter, you know, they, they with Disdainful Stroke, they went for a win condition, you had the answer. Nothing you mm-hmm. can do about that. Swan Song, you know, you, they trade uh, their spell for uh, a bird. You know, that doesn't hurt so bad. Um, just it, It's a different feel as opposed to getting canceled. That's true. Swan Song is just fucking sweet, man. Still one blue for, like, you're countering most of the stuff out there. You just can't counter Soul Ring with it. Yeah. I, I, but, but the thing is, like, Swan, talking about Swan Song does bring up, like, a nice little, um, uh, variant to this particular concept. Like, if we are getting rid of something, but giving them something else in place of the thing we've gotten rid of, we don't necessarily need to just counter it. We could go with, like, Pongify or Beast Within something and get rid of it and give them something that, yes, I understand what you were doing was this. I can't have you doing that. Here's a item for you to be able to try to continue with another, down a different route. Hopefully this doesn't like leave that bad of a taste in your mouth and ruin your entire game completely. 
But you do realize, like, if I had let you do what you were going to do, then this game would have either taken a little bit longer than what we needed, or I would have died, or something along that nature, you know? Yeah. And there's there's another suite of cards that kind of work on that same theme that I really like, and they're counters that penalize an opponent um, by saying no, but you can try again. So you trade their card, uh, you trade them cards for denial. And these are, you know, Arcane Denial, which everyone loves, Dream Fracture, yeah. and Vex. You know, you, you counter it, but you say, you know, you don't get to do that, you can try something else. And people send, tend to be more receptive when you're, you know, you're, you're, Countering one of their spells, but they get a card or two, you know, as as you know, spare change for the transaction. That's pretty sweet. I don't know. Like when I'm thinking of like things I like to do that aren't standard counters, I guess mine went in a slightly different direction. Like one of my favorite things to do. I don't know if this makes it any better. It probably makes it worse. Um, perplexing Chimera is what I like to use. Yes. So like Perplexing Chimera, it's four four colors and a blue for a three three Chimera. No one gives a crap on any of that. Uh, but when an opponent casts a spell, you may exchange control by Perplexing Chimera and that spell. If you do, you may new- choose new targets for the spell. So, I mean, I like to throw that down there. I like to throw it down there like as soon as I can and just let it sit on the board. You know, just, yeah. And then I can do, instead of doing draw go, which I always suck at anyway because I always play everything in my first main phase because I'm an idiot. I just let it sit on the table and, and as someone's like casting something, I'll be like, uh, yeah, you can keep that. Mm, yeah, you can keep that. It's okay. Until inevitably someone just nukes my perplexing chimera, but or has like two things to kill it, or like teams up to, to uh, you know blow it up. So, but love that chimera, man. Goddamn. We can also get like you can also get a similar effect to that with like the um, Azorius Guild Mage because it has the ability to like counter target activated ability. Mm-hmm. So this way, if a player has a creature that has an activated ability out that's on the field that you just don't want being used, you have the option to pay two and a blue and just stop it for the time being. And as long as you have three mana up, you can keep it from occurring. But, you know, it's also like when they do get ready to do it, if you're just like, if you have no problems with them pulling it off, then go right ahead and let them do it because sure, why not? Like if, you know, they've got like a creature that's letting them draw some type of cards or whatever the case may be, but you don't want them drawing too many cards, yeah, go ahead and counter that effect. But, you know, if you look at the field, they only have enough mana to be able to activate the creature once, and you feel safe letting them pull it off, then, yeah, go right ahead and let them do it. That way they can still get some use out of it without actually constantly being shut down. Very true. Yep. Void Mage right. Husher is a thing. Use it more. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Dan, you, I think you had one more card, maybe? Uh, I got a, I got a couple. Um, But instead of giving specific cards, maybe I'll throw out some some. Sp- counters for specific scenarios. Hold on, hold on. So what we're going to do is Dan's going to give us a micro minute. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dan's Hell yeah. Minute. All right, Calvin. You got the count. Come on, Dan. All right, Dan. Take it away. Micro minute. Go. Uh, other counters you guys can use are counters that penalize an opponent for just targeting you. These are cards like Hindering Light, Dawn Charm, and Psychic Rebuttal. These kind of cards let everybody do what they want to do, but the minute they threaten you, you get to say no. Other options would be less efficient counter spells with the bonus, like Essence Backlash, Overwhelming Intellect, Soul Manipulation. A great use of counter spells uh, is also as expensive and inefficient counters that can also serve as win conditions. You can use cards like Spelljack, Kiru Spell Snatcher, which is Spelljack on a stick, 
desertion, draining whelk, and counter lash to give you a lot of punch in addition to a counter that you're not going to be able to play early, but it'll be able to swing the game for you. Other spells that you can use that aren't counters, but you can treat them like counters, are spells that redirect, copy, and or change spells of this, uh, their intent or target rather than countering it. Run Reverberate, Twin Cast, Swerve, Wild Ricochet, or Goblin Flectomancer, all as options that let you tweak a spell rather than countering it. There you go. Boom. Boom. There we go. All right then. I think this is that. I think this has been enough nonsense for one night. Let's take it out to our outro. Yay! We've got nonsense for tonight. And then I was too much shit. And I'm going to go ahead and just kick us to this. So this I'm just been... glad that our listeners are getting a chance to do a micro minute. Yeah. Send, send us an email enough. with interesting topics, and we'll have you on Commander Cast. And don't maybe forget, you get to do a micro minute. at normal speed, and Calvin could have sped up the audio track instead of you trying to talk. You got to give away micro minute secrets. That's okay. We'll just take it out and post. This has been Commander Cast episode 220. I want to go ahead and thank everyone for coming out today and recording for three hours straight. Wow. Three? It's like close to four now. I, 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 what is time to a podcast? Host? What is time to an editor? I have no idea. But thanks, guys, for coming out today. Thank you, Dan, for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm throwing my show notes in the air because we're done. Well, you yeah. got to up later, yeah. so whatever. All right, let's go ahead and pass out some contact information. Starting with our guest, Dan, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, if you want to talk Magic the Gathering or how I make leather nerf holsters or you want to play Destiny, shoot me an email at akm295 at gmail.com. And don't forget to keep it tight. Keep it tight. All right, then. Let's go ahead and go on to our regulars, then. Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, if people want to contact me, that's a real easy thing for them to do. They can always go over to Twitter, hit me up there at Captain Red Zone, or you can hit me up with an email at Gmail at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. Or if you just want to hit us up on the Commander Cast Facebook page over there, you can go ahead and drop a comment over there, post up something over there. Typically it's me, Judd, Waffle Cone, sometimes William, scrolling through there. And also if you want to, you can always go over to the Commander Cast Reddit page and hit us up over there because we're usually scouring over there as well. There's plenty of ways to find us, find me as well. I'm all over the place. So, good. Post it up. I'll see it somewhere or another. All right. And Mark? As usual, folks, hit me up at Gmail, smallrma at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll chat. Talk about magic. Maybe about Andy Griffith. Whatever. Whatever. All right. And if you want to reach me personally, you can find me, W-I-E Hernandez, at gmail.com. Or you can just follow me on Twitter. I'm at BlueRam1409. And that's where I tend to post most of my own musings and commander musings and stuff like that. I need to figure out what kind of balance I'm going for here. Uh, let's see. If you want to do the Commander Cast Prime thing, though, like El Starco did, go ahead and email us, commandercast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're at commandercast. Visit our subreddit. You know, we have a link to that in the show notes. I'm sorry. I'm, I can't even do things now. Uh, Facebook page. Like Calvin said, man by Calvin Judd and Waffle Cone. And uh, you know what? 
leave us a review on iTunes. You know what? Make us a five-star review on iTunes, and I will read off your review on the air. We didn't get any new ones this week, and I'm pretty sure Reddit didn't skip over any before. But if it did, send us a tweet, Twitter. Uh, send, yeah, tweet. On the send tweet. us a Twitter. Yeah, just send us the whole network. The whole damn thing. Thanks to everyone who works on our website. You guys are fantastic. I love talking to you. I love hearing from you. And, you know, we, we just had that Commander Cast connection going on. I, I can't wait to keep it going. Music for our show is the X Beats Heavy Metal Series by 331 E-Rock. Check them out on YouTube. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! You know, it happens. It's <laughs> yep. Welcome to a special episode of Dan's Dangles. Oh, no. No, Vito. Vito, Vito. Yeah. That's, that's, worse than, that's worse than, you know, Fishy Johnson on the Rock, man. Dwayne the Fish Rock Johnson? No. Dwayne the Fish on the Rock Johnson. No. No, just no. Yeah, no, I'll, no. I'll, I'll just take the fish on the rocks. Yeah, there we go. See, the fun, the worst part about it is the whole time he was talking about that, I was sitting here muted listening to him, and everybody was like, "I wonder if Calvin's back." No, I was back. I just didn't really want to get involved <laughs> just, in that particular conversation. Yeah, I was waiting that one to end before I came back in. <laughs> that was, was the smartest move of all, Calvin. Yeah. All right, so Calvin. Yes, sir. Apparently. I am going to Illinois to play an anime card game tournament. Specifically, I'm going to play an anime card game tournament where none of the cards are in English. No English. Um, so last Sunday, I was at my uh, my normal Weiss tournament at the Card Academy. And Mel, who is... In Durham, North Carolina, which is a great place, and you should go check it out. No, 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 it's the one in Roundsburg, Ohio, which is, which is uh, also a thing. Oh, it's Ohio, which is also a Go check it out. So Mel's like the uh, the sixth ranked player for in the nation for Weishwars apparently because that's what she got at nationals last time. Which way to go, Mel? Right. And she has this uh, carpool that she does whenever there's like a regional or anything like that. Like she and some buddies go ahead and they get together. And they split uh, cab fare, and if they need a hotel, they'll split a hotel fare. And basically, they just power it out to like cross cross state trips, go out, play some Weish, kick some ass, qu- make some qualifiers, come back. And I told her if, hey, there's ever an extra spot in your car, just go ahead and hit me up and I'll be glad to hit you along because I want to start going to some of these events. And she says, hey, so did you want to go to Illinois this weekend? One of our guys dropped. And I'm like, sure, yeah. And oh, by the way, it's Jap- it's foreign Weiss only. So like, I can't actually use any of my English decks. So I'm like, okay, well, 
what are my options here? Well, I work at a card store, and John, the owner, is nice enough to let me borrow the cards for the, for the deck I need. Like, I'm basically playing one of my English decks, just all the cards are in Japanese. So, like, I know all my cards do. Yeah, step one. Step two, apparently, is printing out translation cards for the deck. Because, like, you need to be able to verify that, one, your cards are doing exactly what you say they're doing, and two, you have to be using official Bushy Road translations for this stuff. And they purposely throw in, like, small grammar and spelling mistakes so they can keep track of if you're modifying them illegally or not. It's like, no, it's not enough to just copy and paste and, oh, what? You're OCD about the grammar or the spelling of this word? Well, guess what? You just got a game loss. And, oh, guess what? Games and white swords are best of one, so you just got a match loss. Hmm. So, here's a question for you, then. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just take your English deck, take a single copy of each particular card that you're going to use, slide it into a binder, so this way it's visible, and then just take that with you and use that as your verification sheet? And it has something to do with, like, the rules and using translations and all that. Like, the, some, act, actually, some sets in Weisswartz get changed from Japanese to English because they use the, the Japanese metagame as a way to play test those sets before they change them into English. Like, one of the... Uh, re- so some of the cards in the Japanese language does things that the English ones don't. Yeah, like, sometimes the cards get nerfed and that pisses off the English players when they finally get the English product because, like, now these cards actually are just functionally different. And sometimes yeah. the English sets will have extra cards that the Japanese set didn't get to help boost some power levels. Like, Fairy Tail got an extra Lucy card, which is awesome, especially since I love Lucy. <laughs> That's another OTV set. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's all coming back. So, uh, uh, she finally sent me the time that I should meet her at her apartment, because we have to pick up the other two guys on our way out of the state. And I'm going to be up, I'm going to be there like 4 a.m. to 4.30. Because remember, I'm going to, I'm in Ohio, I'm going to all the way to Illinois. That's like, I went there to see my sister a couple of times, and that was a six-hour trip. And that was to, like, Chicago. So, there's that. But I'm also well, if you're going out to Illinois, if you're going to be in the area, you may, just saying, depending on where you are, might get a chance to stop by the game or go, go see Cassidy. I really doubt it. It's, we're going to like a, a mall game store th- thing. Yeah. And given that I'm part of a traveling party, I doubt I'll have time to actually get to go to the game or go, which I'm actually really disappointed by because I want to actually see Cassidy in the flesh. Well, send him a text. If you're not that far, maybe he'll hang, swing past there. Eh, maybe. But Maybe. one thing I'm thinking about Don't doing care. is I'm actually thinking about, like, you know how Chewie does those uh, live-on-the-scene podcasts with, like, the live recording and all that? All right. I'm actually thinking about doing something similar to that. If I could, like, I, I, I I'll have to figure out the, uh, the, MP, the file uploading thing at some point. But I'm thinking, while I'm at it, why don't I just go ahead and record, like, this bonus content? Like, it's not going to cost us anything. I'm doing it anyway. So let's go ahead and just, like, make, like, a mini-field podcast for White Swords. And maybe just throw it on there for, like, a random William Appreciation Day or something. I don't know. Uh, you, you see this, Dan? He's, like, he's not only, that. like, you see that? He's not only owning the site. Now he's creating a William Appreciation Day for himself. <laughs> Listen, Calvin, if you can get the Commander Cast wrestling episode to happen, I'm with you. Been... I have your back. And, and you can run it right behind uh, William's uh, William Appreciation episode. And we'll, we'll balance it out. We'll. Keep him honest. Hey, man, if you want to talk wrestling, like, I can talk all about that Kanikuman. Like, I can muscle versus Kevin Mask. Like, man, that was some highlight stuff. And, and like, Sido Kaiba's voicing an antler man with, with, like, his name's Dick Van Dyke. Like, that's incredible. And then you've got the walrus man. 
Will, everything that you're saying to me right now is exactly what I think my wife hears when we talk about wrestling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But see, this is awesome because Kid Muscle gets to wrestle a shoe. (laughs) Totally. That's exactly what she hears. And, and the and the worst part about it is is that a shoe is actually like a name for a wrestler. She doesn't realize it's like it's not like a shoe as in like you know a space s h o e. It's like one word. He's a Japanese wrestler. It's a shoe. We're just pronouncing it. Thank you. We're just pronouncing it incorrectly. And <laughs> it's even better because the one that I'm referring to, his wrestling power is that he turns into a sneaker. So wait, no, isn't that no? A sneaker would be his tag team partner. It's a shoe and a sneaker. Then they're known as um the Reebok region. Oh gosh, <laughs> it's kind of brilliant, but I can't. I don't want to admit it out loud. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dan? You got anything you want to go ahead and t- talk about before we start off? Uh, no. Um, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, the role model of America. Watch, we're, uh, we're gonna find out that it was Booker T who actually leaked the Hulk Hogan racist comments. And come to find out, he actually held true on his promise. After all these years, he finally figured out a way to come for Hulk Hogan and got him. It would, it, there's, it's all fishy to me, man. It's all fishy. But then again, what part of professional wrestling hasn't been like weird, creepy, carny shit, even all the way back to like the 20s? The Rock, you part. know? The part where he put the fish on the rocks. Yeah, when Dwayne the Rock Johnson beat the hell out of a marlin and laid it to rest on the rocks outside of Alcatraz. Steve I didn't even know. Action. I didn't even know he fought Shark Boy. Like that's okay. I'll, I'll make the assumption that I'm number two in Starks. Calvin, are you on your phone? Love to start. Call me. Hmm? Calvin, we can't call you because you're in a wormhole, buddy. Uh happens. I'm moving. Okay, I think he's trying to find better receivers. Give me a second. Wormhole. Wormhole. Actually, you know what? I'm going to mute real quick. I'm going to mute real quick and jump back onto the um thing. Hold on. If I drop, don't worry. I'll be right back. Alrighty. So, now we should start ca- calling Calvin the bass. Because he always drops. <laughs> womp, 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 womp. I was hoping. I was, like, hoping against hope that's not where that was going. <laughs> and I don't know why. Because I knew the entire time. It's awful. It's like when you see someone who's like driving off the road, you're like, you hope they turn at the last second. Nope. Nope. Nothing much. I feel like uh, like the Avengers have assembled, and I'm just like the janitor who's like caught in the background shot, like peeking over his shoulder. Nah, man. You're at least like you're at least like the Ant Man. You're just like you're like Phase Two. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Until we get a new Punisher movie, I'll take it. I'm trying to think. What was the last Punisher movie? Was that Punisher Warzone? It was One Warzone, of... and I hold that near and dear to my heart. Okay, I can't <laughs> remember which was what? Which was the um the Thomas the Thomas Jane one? That was that okay. Was, that one was okay. That was uh like 2004 Punisher. Yeah, that wasn't Warzone though, right? They got some no, some no. new dude in for Warzone. Yeah, they had Ray Stevenson, who was really good in Rome, the HBO series from Rome, and I thought yes. he played Frank Castle. Like to a T, the way I envision Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. He literally punches through a guy's head. Like that's as Frank Castle as it gets. Yeah, that's pretty much true. Yeah, you know that's that's ironic because this is like the third time today someone has made a Rome reference to me. I feel like that sh- show never gets enough love, man. It's a genuinely good show. Yeah, it is. Too bad they ran out of money. You have no idea. It's actually good to hear listeners be like, "Oh yeah, I, I love being around you guys." Because, you know, <laughs> most of our listeners come on, and then they hear us, like, do the actual show, 
and then we never hear from him again. Not in the comment section, no more emails. It's like, oh man, that show. When you don't have the music and the sound effects, it is just, ugh. Oh, dude, I, I get it 100%. Before uh, I ended up in publishing, I went to school for video production. And it's, it's once you see how the sausage gets made, it changes the way you do audio production and TV production, film production for the rest of your life. You know, so you hear that, like everybody? Podcast, like the, the sausage. <laughs> Everything mm, the sausage. Now, they're like, hey, hey, no, hey, Eric, sometime between like 7.30 and 9 on like Thursday, can you just like send me some random photos of like Pokemons and ideas? That'd be great. But make sure you text it to me. Thanks. <laughs> Love words. suspicious going on here. Clay is not here because he has to do the thing. And... Yeah, he does. Okay, slump, theme, and delay. Okay. I didn't even write down, like, proper show notes. I just stuck pictures into the show notes to remind me what we're talking about today. Well, I feel like an idiot because I... I have, like, three pages of notes that I typed out for myself so I wouldn't sound like an idiot. I had mm-hmm. talking points. Mm-hmm. And I realized they could have There's been no really helpful for like you in your show notes. <laughs> well, we usually do have show notes, but I think, I, I think strangely enough, this is probably the most appropriate show notes for a, a podcast called The Slump. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally it, it's pretty, it's pretty clear. Yep. We're slumping yep. it. All right, then. Uh, if it makes you any better, uh, most of our show notes don't really get made until we're actually talking anyways. Clay is usually you? here manning the show notes. Yeah, they no, used to, we used to, like, type them up beforehand, <laughs> email everything, and then, he, you know, it was, like, all professional. Everybody knew exactly what time to be here. We'd open the show notes. Everybody could see them. All the cards would already be in there from what yeah, our, man, our was, selection was. Those, are, those are good week. days, man. Those are good days. <laughs> we should do that again. Mark is clamoring for the good old days, and you guys are like, I'm 200 <laughs> episodes in. I don't give a fuck. Guys, guys, you always had like, your old man episode, all right? <laughs> then at a certain point, it just got... We just got grizzled and and worn down and and beaten. It's like we're in a like a, a show note slump, and then <laughs> we just decided like you know what? Nah. Did it come from the blue players always using their time warps as explorers? Because hmm. I have to yes. say, after listening to that episode yesterday, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just put more time time warp effects into my blue decks just so I can play that extra land, draw that extra card, maybe play that extra spell. Yeah, man. I'm I'm actually just a little upset that, like, well, not really upset, a little, like, I kind of wish that when we were recording, we had gotten a chance to hit that note one um, a little bit harder, because we kind of mentioned it, and then kind of just brushed past it, but it's one of those, like, you know what, like, next, later on, when, when the whole group is here, we can always just go back over that and do it again. But, you know, it was not, not, not personally view time warp effects as uh, draw spells, not draw spells, but draw spells and, like, ramp, depending on how they're used. When used correctly, they'll work. Hmm? Yeah, we got to get the boys on new pants. Uh, yeah, oh, you know, kids, always praying through the knees. I don't know. I, 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 you have a hard time convincing me that time warp is like ramp and draw. It just, to me, it just feels like dirty extra turn. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is dirty extra turn because it's blue. You know, right, let's go like this, right? Yeah. If it was in black, you wouldn't get the extra turn part. You'd get the draw. You'd get the land. But you wouldn't get the extra turn, you'd probably lose some life, right? Yeah. Because, you know, black would cost you something to do it. Whereas in blue, since we are talking about blue, blue gets to do what you want, but then you get the quote-unquote downside of it giving you an extra turn on top of it. 
man, like, you know, blue always kind of has that, like, weird thing where it's like, we try to do what we can to make blue fair, quote, fair, and then, you know, you, you turn around, and it's like, the thing you thought was making it fair actually just gave it, like, uh, extra advantage you weren't really foreseeing. Like, oh, yeah, this is just, like, you know, blue will get a chance to put an extra land down, draw an extra card, and it'll cost them, like, six mana. Yeah, but, you know, six mana for a land and a card ain't that isn't, it's kind of bad. Like, we, let's just let them take an extra turn with it. Oh, ho, ho. And then you see the blue player play, and next thing you know, that's, that, that, that's a ramp spell. And, then, and a draw a card spell. Then they comboed spell. out, and, and that's an extra game. Combat. Okay, yeah. hold on, hold yeah. on. Yeah, so. This, this rampant growth, this rampant growth went the extremely wrong direction from what we were planning. The downside is the entire table hates you, but you still got your extra turn. Well, you're already playing blue, so you don't really care what other people think. No, that's true. Exactly. Yep. As I have learned I mean, the you know, past just, two just weeks. Look at, just look at Delver. It's been gl- I've been playing blue the past two weeks, and it's been glorious. What, uh, what Matt, you, have you been playing? Oh, it's EDH, Matt. But we'll oh, be ta- uh, don't worry, I'll be talking about it all night long. Like, okay. If you're not sick of it by the end, I am talking about it nearly enough. Say that you were building a rune deck before, so what's going on there? Okay, I get what's happening. Galvin's attempting to start and restart his connection part thing, or trying to move because of that damn echo that keeps following him around. Okay, no, so for some for reason Gal- my phone just, for some reason my phone seems to keep skipping for some reason. I can't figure it out. Have you tried turning it on and off again? I'm going to give that a try in a moment, actually. Once we get done with most of the intro portion here. Alright. If you're not hearing me, it's because I'm muting in order to try to give my phone a chance to lapse. I'm pretty sure the reason that my phone is doing this is because about five, ten minutes ago, something like that, my wife called me, and then someone texted me, and now my phone's getting all kinds of Facebook notifications on it. So a lot of media is currently just coming into my phone normally that I even know I tell people, leave me the hell alone on Thursday. They just refuse to do it for some reason because I'm apparently so damn popular. Oh, that reminds me, I better change my Skype status to busy. Alright, so... Well, like, getting busy. Alright, so, Calvin, why rude? So, at at some Uh, point, feel free to veto this, but would we call the white reanimator episode, like, the Nazi zombie episode? Mm. I don't really want to do that. It's a thought, and I might call it something like pasty white corpses, but... I guess. As the only listener on the podcast right now, it's not trending well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Here we go. I, I retract the statement. Our test m- market just came back and shit all over it, so that's a no-go. Okay. Okay. Actually, I've been having trouble. I'm still trying to figure out how I can get the files off my phone onto my computer. Because when I tried emailing it, it I got this weird format thing, so maybe I need to... Use archive on my phone or something? I don't know. I, Can you just use a cord? Just plug it in USB style and just transfer that way? I tried doing that to set up my ringtone, and it didn't end well. In fact, it might be part of the reason why Calvin gets to say "shut up, Navi" once an episode. Uh, so, do you have Dropbox like set up on your phone? I do, and that's part of what's pissing me off because the Dropbox is saying, "Sorry, you're too full. Sorry, you're too full. Sorry, you're too full. Upgrade for ten dollars a month." You still haven't fixed that? It's been a busy week. Like, I had to deal with release last weekend, and this weekend apparently I'm going to Illinois for a, for an anime card tournament, and the, time, the time's been a little compressed. 
about. Do you have Droptop on your laptop? I do not have a laptop. Uh, do you have a Dropbox on your computer? I have Dropbox on my computer, so I can figure out how to is get. Your computer? Is your computer letting you do stuff with a Dropbox? No, it's not. Which was so weird. Hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. But worst like, case, I, like, worst I'm, case I'm scenario. Worst case scenario. Saying, I'll tr- just go ahead and make a new Dropbox account. Just saying. I'm actually considering get starting uh, saving that command of flavor up again, just so I have a place where I can. Uh, what's the word? Show the... Entertain the uh, listeners? I was gonna say, wave my decks around in the air and, and, uh... Phrasing? Oh, no, no, no. What, what's, goddamn, what that thing that parents do with their kids all the time when they're so goddamn proud of them? They do not, they do not wave their deck in the air. They do nope. not, they, they do not they wave their kids around in the air either. Nope. <laughs> None of those things happen. Show off my horse, give it a lick, it tastes like raisins, something like that. Let's go on to Wednesday. Wednesday, we have our... So much about that sentence that hurts my brain. It's from a very old sketch that I actually forget the name of right now. I don't know, for some reason, and this is the most embarrassing thing, my wife is on an Andy Griffith show kick. Like, Wow, deep cut. Yeah, man, like, that's her thing. And the funny part is, apparently, my wife is, like, I love her to death, but I think she's, like, culturally retarded sometimes. She just doesn't get, like, she didn't watch a lot of TV growing up. And apparently that's all I did with my fat ass when I was growing up. So she's like, man, have you seen this old TV show called Andy Griffith Show? That thing is really good. Have you heard that little whistling intro they do? Shit, that's a good show. I'm like, woman, have you never heard of Nick at Night? And she's like, what? Nick at what? I'm like, what? For both of your sanity, just point her to Cheers. There's like 13 seasons. It's great. <laughs> ah, yes. The Frasier. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Right. So anyway, like, so get my back. <laughs> yeah. My suggestion would be give her uh, Dick Van Dyke. Ooh. Ooh, man, Calvin, that's a really good one, man. Yeah, but then yeah. she's going to start moving Ottomans on you, Mark. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Ooh, speaking of the deep cut, man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> see, I, see, I have a desire recently, because I found a Facebook page called, like, the best, uh, Simpsons Best Moments, where they put on, like, the 10, 15 second clips just of, like, random scenes. And it's all brilliant. It's making me want to go, can I afford to spend like the $160 or so, something I would need to just buy the first eight seasons? Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. Did anybody here watch like the, the Simpsons marathon they did for like, what, three weeks or however long it took I, them to get through? On FX? I heard of that. I didn't, I couldn't, I just didn't know. Any, anytime I hear a marathon, like, yeah, but how did that really, com- but can you really go the length that June Bugs did? Way back on when Cartoon Network apparently had a whole month they would dedicate to just nonstop Bugs Bunny cartoons. That's intense, especially because when you consider like when you actually think about it, there's not that many Bugs Bunny cartoons. I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things, like if you look back on it now, you're like, hmm. I mean, there's there, don't get me wrong, like there's a sizable amount over the years, but it's not like they were putting out seasons of those motherfuckers. No. You know, there's there's probably just as many like Animaniacs episodes as there probably are. Like if you add it in like Animaniacs and Tiny Toons, like that's probably just as many episodes of or like what we would consider episodes like short versions of Bugs Bunny they have now. Oh, okay. So slumps. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah Dan. Next time on TV Landcast. I got a bunch of things I can just throw out there to to bring it back on point if you guys want. Please. <laughs> So much freaking wrestling, guys. Oh, um, uh, please. <laughs> See, unless please, it's, please, unless please, it's like Ultimate Muscle, I have nothing to add. Dude, you need to get like some 
WWE Network, watch some NXT, and enjoy life again. I mean, like, I've seen seen stuff like that before. Like, my my babysitter would always have that on whenever we had to be dropped off at her house because she was into that, but, like, I could never get behind that. Before we go any further, Dan, did you watch um, NXT Respect? To take over um, from I, I missed it because I was playing Destiny last night uh, like a fool. Uh, I got Fully text messages from my, my buddy Greg throughout the entire night just losing his shit. Um, yeah, he was, it was um, talking to somebody about it, and I'm like, he's texting me things like, Sasha Banks is the ultimate heel. I'm like, now I have to wait till this weekend to watch it to find out what does he mean. Oh, uh, oh, but, got it. But, oh, but did you catch that? Clues, you hear that? Dan just called you a fool for playing Destiny. No, 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 Destiny, Destiny's a, it's a thing. It's a thing now. If you play with people that you know and you're playing with friends, you're going to have a great time. If you pick that game up and you have nobody to play with online, you should just return it because it's only fun when you play with friends. Oh, that sounds like all the MMOs I try to play. Um. Oh, everybody is yelling in the background. Can y'all hear that? Just a little bit. Okay. Give it a second. Yeah. And now I'm going to mute because people are crying. Meanwhile, I'm going to go and play the drama button because I just read Tomorrow's Dumbing of Age on David Willis' Patreon. And good that one sailed over my head. I'm sorry. No, no. You were not, you were not meant to understand. This, oh dear lord. <laughs> so, I feel like that could be said. I'm just about to so say like, much do I have to get that sound right now? No, no. I have a link. Okay, so I follow a couple of webcomics where like the drama but, uh, and I have a link to a website called Drama Button, where you can push the button, and it provides you with the drama sound effect. Like, there it is. Oh, and, what have you done, Will? And I like to, and I have a need to push that button every time I read said webcomics and something dramatic occurs. You do realize I'm going to terrorize my wife with this thing now. Only if you can click it. Oh, I'm so excited. You know what? Uh, that actually would make like a good like um sound a ringtone for like a text message. I might actually have to do that later. Ooh, I do. I'm going to do that later. Oh, so did you just say Marath Obama? I said Barack Obama is going to take your magic. <laughs> Marath Obama. Marath Obama. <laughs> please listen. Now, please please for fucking Photoshop the shit out of that, please. That's the new Commander Cast uh mascot right there, Marath Obama. Marath Obama. Thanks, Marath. Slightly gray antlers that are on fire. Oh man, I'm just imagining Obama with flaming ho- with flaming antlers now in a nice suit, or, or Marath with like a nice like big Obama smile on it. Ugh. All right, Aaron, you know what to do. Calvin, final thoughts. Uh, I I I had one, and then you said something <laughs> about Marath Obama. Obama. <laughs> I think Marath Obama is our final one. <laughs> so, alright. Uh. And this one comes from another listener, Mr. S- L. Okay, I was, I messed it up. I'm gonna start that over here. You wanna try that again? Yeah, I'm gonna try that again. I'm gonna try that again. Alright, and so that, I don't really have anything else to add. I think Dan just knocked that out of the park. So let's go ahead, end this community segment, and go straight into our strategy segment.
Madagascar.